Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Yeah, it's sunny. Yeah, it's windy, but the snow is going away as we get closer to football season, and it feels more like Stanley Cup playoff weather here in Canada's Queen City at the corner of 12th and Rose. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. I appreciate it. Michael Ball here along with Blaine Weiland, who's operating the board for Sean Kleisinger, who's over in England. Saw him snapping some pictures on the streets of London, getting ready to watch some Premier Soccer League action over there. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, it was really cool, and he looked had a big smile on his yeah, face in those pictures. Yeah, looks pretty happy, so thanks to Blaine for filling in here. We're going to get to some of the great sports stories of the day, uh, as we like to do at the start of the show, but we've got the guy who's uh, going to be busy tonight. He's a friend of the show. He's the color commentator on the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. He would be Bob Stoffer. so we're going to get to him right away. Bob, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Anytime, Michael. I'm sitting here in the uh, Hall of Fame room at Rogers Place. <laughs> I'm going to sit in the Wayne Gretzky stall as we speak. Oh. Uh, and right now I'm watching Leon Dreisaitl. It's just been unreal. Uh, in the history of the National Hockey League, players that have played at least 40 playoff games, there's only one player that's averaging more points per game right now than Leon Dreisaitl in his career. And that was Wayne from the Edmonton yeah. Oilers. And that tells you what uh, Dreisaitl's done. He's been on the ice for all 14 goals in the Soiler Series. It's a beauty. It's tied 2-2. It's been highly unpredictable. The Oilers have blown a couple two-goal leads. The Oilers have rallied on the Kings, who had a three-goal lead. And the days of 3-2 Daryl Sutter hockey are over. Teams are never out of it, and it's made for an incredibly compelling series I so lo- far. I love it. And, uh, hey, that was a $5 million save by Mr. Campbell the other night. Well, it was. Uh, we're going to see Stuart Skinner, as you know, back in the yep. fights again tonight, but you know, he, sometimes for goaltenders, when they don't have to think about it, and they just go in and they just play. It's a better scenario. The Oilers, to me, that was, uh, you know, Stewart got pulled, and it was a reflection on the team, not necessarily him. And the Oilers needed a little bit of burst, and obviously it worked, right? Like, they went got three goals in the, uh, <clears throat> in the second period to get right back in the game. So, Campbell came through, but we are going to see Stewart Skinner start again tonight. Are, does that surprise you at all? No. No. This is... I mean, Stuart Skinner's been at 9-14 this season. He's been the much more consistent of the two goaltenders. Jay Woodcroft knows him. He watched him evolve in the minors. At every step of the way, there has been little steps. Um, you know, he his first-year pro coming out of, of course, your listeners will know, he, he led Swift Current under Manny Viveros, who I played against growing up in Edmonton. Uh, Manny was from St. Albert. and was the 85 CHL Player of the Year. Uh, when Manny took Swift Current to the Memorial Cup, Skinner came over that year in a trade deadline deal uh, with Flatbridge. And, you mm-hmm. know, by that point, it was his uh, fourth season in the Western Hockey League. He was a pretty good goalie. His first pro year, he really struggled. And then uh, it, what happened with Skinner is he evolved a lot in the uh, the Canadian bubble year because Mike Smith missed the start of the year. And Stewart had to do a little bit of uh, backing up, and the Oilers had lost – their third-string goaltender got claimed on waivers, Anton Forsberg. So, so I think Stewart got a chance to be around Smith and Koskin on a regular basis, realized he needed to, to work on a couple things, and then he had a tremendous year in the minors that year. Jay was the coach of that team in the minors that year. The Pacific Division was the only division uh, with players that opted in to have an actual playoff. 
because as you're aware, yep. uh, HL players only get paid during the regular season. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he was good. He outdueled Logan Thompson. Edmonton won the Pacific, or you know, Bakersfield won the Pacific Division title. And so this guy's progressing. He's growing. Uh, will he be top six? It's pretty tough to be top six goaltender in the National Hockey League, but he certainly has a chance, I think, to be in the top half, number one netminders in the league for sure. Well, he's a goalie of the future, and he's uh, developed by the team. So, uh, yeah, nothing to bitch about there. Bob Stoffer joining us here, color commentator in the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. want to talk about two guys. First off, um, RNH stands for Ryan Not Here. I mean, where is he? Is he in witness protection? What's going on with Nuge? You can, you know, in a, in a short uh, series, and it's not an excuse, it's just the reality of the situation. You can't read too much into sample size. Um, he's he's got to do more five on five. There's no question about that. Uh, he does touch a lot of different aspects of the game, and you know he's he hasn't scored yet in the series. We're four games in. The Oilers have been a little bit unlucky not to have created more five on five offense, mm-hmm. and uh, they've generated lots of shots. Edmonton's got the most shots on goal per game. They're almost at forty shots per game. Uh, you know Jonas Corpusal is sitting at a nine eighteen save percentage, but Ryan would tell you that he's got to uh, be more productive. Yeah, Bouchard's really taken a step, hasn't he? No surprise. We had guys that wanted to run Bouchard out of town. It's amazing to me. The game has moved to skill. And look, I'm old school. I'm a little bit older than you, Mike. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I grew up playing against Todd Ewan and Craig Berube and guys Mark Tenorti. Okay? And those guys, <laughs> the problem I had is I was the same size as Todd Ewan when I was 12. And by the time I was 14, he was four inches taller than me, right? So, yeah. And unfortunately, I was really dumb, and occasionally that meant that <laughs> I took a shot. If you know what I mean, yeah. I had a big mouth. And uh, you know, I I got time for old school, but the game's moved to skill. It's all about skill development. It's all about creativity. And you know, it just amazes me that you need defensemen. That, the, the key to playing defense these days is letting the puck do the work through transition, getting the puck up the ice. If I could advise, and I have advised, apparently, a friend of mine, Stepson's probably going to be the number one or number two pick in the WHL Bantam draft this year. He's a six foot four right shot defenseman, 195 pounds. His name's Keaton Bearhoff. And all I ever say to his stepfather and Keaton is five foot pass, five foot pass. Nick Ledster made the best five foot pass in the world for a decade. If you can move the puck as a D, you can play. Mm-hmm. You don't have to sit there and, you know, be Dave Manson. And we have Dave Manson in our organization. Yeah. I love it. He played on that 85 team with Feveros and Prince Albert. But yeah. you don't have to necessarily, you know, it, the game's evolved. Get the puck up the ice. Let the puck do the work. Bouchard was the easiest bet in the world to take a step forward. He was. Because he's smart. He's got a heavy shot. Uh, you know, he's got 26 points now in his last 25 games. And he's plus 13 since the Oilers traded Barry for Echo. Like, it's the power plays 6 for 11 in the series. Mm-hmm. Actually, where the series would be at if the power plays for the two teams are even through the first four games, each team had 16 power plays. Might yeah. be 3 1 for Edmonton. So, yeah. He's a, he's a real success story, but there's no surprise here at all. It's a 10th overall pick that was a top end offensive player in the Ontario League that some people thought was the best offensive defenseman in that league since Ryan Ellis. So, who had some very high-scoring years playing of Taylor Hall and Windsor. So no one's surprised here where he's going. Hey, uh, the 11-7 and formula really came into play the last game when D'Arnais, uh, uh kind of lunged at, uh, it was Arvidsson who went in and scored the goal, I believe, and then uh, didn't really get a lot of ice after that, but Broberg kind of came in and settled things down a bit for his ice time. Well, I think what's happened 
is we think of those Dallas Star teams and the Oilers seemingly played Dallas all the time. Right? Yeah, but, right. Uh, what was it? 97, 98, 99, 2000, 01, and 03. So six times in a span of eight years they played Dallas. And Dallas had guys like Hatcher, uh, Ludwig, Mavtichuk, and they used to just hack and whack at y'all. People forget they, they had Zuboff, who was the most underrated defenseman of that era. He can move the puck. But they had some guys that were mean and nasty to play against. And the league isn't quite as mean and nasty as it once was. And I think Dayernay, I think that the officials got an eye on him a bit. And they've called him with some penalties, a couple ticky-tack ones. I right. hated the call in overtime last week in game one. To me, that's not an overtime call. It's a 50-50 play. The elbow was a joke, too. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the sequence where Dursey comes in, in in game three and they give him a penalty. So I think he's gotten out of kind of what he does because he thinks that, you know, geez, I can't do anything here. I might get penalties called. And uh, But the one thing Broberg can do is Broberg can skate. So you're right. The 11-7 and seven worked in the sense that they needed all 7-D. Hey, uh, uh, Leon Dreisaitl mentioned maturity. Uh, we need to be more mature. And, uh, I mean, I think he can be guilty of it at times by taking some uh, some interesting penalties. But where I wanted to go with this, it was, in my opinion, an absolute blowing uh, replay call there on the high stick. And uh, from your perspective, how much maturity did the Oilers you know, show moving past that and then coming back after being down 3 nothing. Well, I didn't like the, the call that they gave to dry settle after the two one goal, like after yeah. game three, back to back power play goals for McDavid, one high blocker, one high glove. Um, and then they, you know, dry settle a little up tap in the back of a skate to Doughty. Doughty didn't even feel it. And they called that on sportsman. I'm like, you just let Doughty beat Connor McDavid before. Yeah. Like, come on, man. What's the standard here? Mm-hmm. In terms, I, I got to be honest with you. In terms of the high stick, number one, to me, that's the spirit of the rule was to take care of the obvious stuff. So when Matt Duchesne was thirty feet offside that one time and they missed it, that's what the video is for—not to sit there and break things down. And you know, you got the Zapruder film sitting there. Oh, this is what look at you know, and the puck rotated a different way. I think I knew broadcasting the game that that was not going to get overturned because it was inconclusive. So. You listen to our broadcast. I said it. The goal is going to count. It's going to be uh, inconclusive. I realize that. It, you know what? It probably. Sh- you know, you can make an argument. Well, the only way if the puck stops rotating, it's because it must have hit a stick. But I don't think the spirit of the rule was for that situation. So in my mind, the goal should have counted there. And I'll take it one step further. Last year in the playoffs, when Edmonton played Calgary in Game Five, the direction in of Coleman's skate, which would have given the Flames a lead, they didn't count that one, and I thought it should have counted. Like, mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, are we? Which is not to say, given the way that, uh, you know, the Oilers had at that point, you know, gotten to Calgary's Jacob Markstrom. Just because Calgary went up 5 4 at that point didn't mean they were going to win the game. I mean, Oilers seemingly were able to score well against them. But so I'm a spirit of the rule guy. Are we really going to sit there and millisecond by millisecond, frame by frame, sort of take away? You know, they make the right call 98.9% of the time. If they obviously blow one, which is three feet offside or something like that, call it back. But pretty tight. I didn't think the goal was going to count. Lastly, I'll let you go. What do you 
What do you make it tonight? Sorry, I thought in that case the goal wasn't. Yeah, yeah, and I thought it shouldn't have counted. Uh, it's like what did Will Ferrell use his elf magic? Did it hit? Did it hit L.A. smog and just fall out of the air? I thought it was a joke. And I think if you actually go to replay and can't get it right, then gas freaking replay in all sports. Don't waste our time. You know what? I'd rather be cranky with a guy blowing the call on the ice than actually going upstairs and continue to screw it up. Uh, this whole and I'm not cutting you down, but I've heard that from. Well, it probably hit something. No. It hit something. It, if you watch the trajectory. I just knew it was going to be. I know, but it's just ridiculous. Anyways, I know you got to go and I do too. Listen, for tonight's game, what do you see here? What, what's the key to the Oilers winning? Well, I think Edmonton's got to get off to a better start. Obviously, they were down 3 nothing. They played well with two home games here. But there's a line that L.A. has now with Fiala in that third-line matchup. Edmonton's going to have to do a better job against that line because those guys dashed him for a couple and could have had a couple more in that game. So, uh, and Skinner's got to bounce back. And if they do that and the calls are equal in the game, the Oilers going to have a puncher's chance. All right, man. Thanks a lot for your uh, your Hall of Fame-like hit here from the Wayne Gretzky stall there at the Hall of Fame room. I appreciate oh, it. If I ever got to him, I can tell you that. <laughs> Thanks, man. Take care. See you. Bye-bye. That's Bob Stoffer, color commentator on the Oilers Radio Network. This is the Sports Cage on this Tuesday for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. We'll be back in a moment here on The Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Yeah, and speaking of that, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, something we broke um, with Craig Reynolds last week, uh, training camp back in Saskatoon. Um, tickets, uh, well, they've got their list here. Tickets to the home opener still on sale. Uh, Dad's night out. That's against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I believe it's uh, June 16th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, CFL Draft is on May the 2nd and the Global Draft, and we're going to have the CFL Draft covered from pillar to post right here on the radio. First time they've ever had a radio broadcast of the CFL Draft from start to finish. We'll be doing that, and uh, Blaine Wyland, who's operating the board for me today, will be a part of it on the digital side, posting stories. Uh, Then we've got um, Trevor Harris and Jake Winicky in Saskatoon at the Midtown Rider Store May the 4th. Uh, single game tickets go on sale May the 5th. We got Rookie Camp May 10th to 12th in Toontown. Main Camp opens on the 14th. We got the Green and White Day. The Green and White game. Doors open at noon May the 20th in the Riders' first preseason game against the BC Lions here. 5 o'clock kickoff. Coors Light party in the park at 2. So it's great. Right around the corner, football season. Uh, but, hey, we still got hockey to talk about. And let's get to uh, some of the sports stories of the day. Uh, Kale McCarr, who I believe is from Calgary, if I'm not mistaken. Is yeah. That, yeah, he's from Calgary. Slick skating, awesome defenseman. He ran McCann into the uh, corner boards yesterday for the um, uh, Seattle Kraken, and he got a one-game suspension. He was given a five-minute penalty. It got reduced to two minutes, and then he had a hearing today, and it's a one-game suspension. I think he should have got three like bunting. I really do. Now, you'll say bunting has more of a history, blah, blah, blah. Listen. He elbowed a dude in the head and knocked him out. Turnack. This guy did the exact same thing, only he used the boards and the glass. You're right, but we don't have a situation where it's, you know, a suspension means like a an automatic sense, like an automatic sense for each infraction, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like every... Inf- eye for an eye yeah. type of deal, yeah. So anyway, um, so he's been suspended one game. Now, my friend here, Blaine Wyland, is... 
a Calgary Flames fan. And um, truth be told, I like the mentality of Edmonton better than Calgary in terms of the people. Because I find Edmontonians are more like Reginans, where Calgarians are more like Saskatonians, okay? In that way. And I don't dislike Saskatonians. I just think we have a different, more a blue-collar setup here, okay? And more blue-collar in Edmonton. But in terms of the beauty of the city, I love Calgary more than I like Edmonton, okay? Mm-hmm. But I love all the Edmonton... I like the Edmonton teams, especially the hockey team. Can't stand the uh, NHL hockey team. Have, like, some players that played on that team, like Iggy and such. But your rink was a dump. It was a dump from day one when they made it a saddle, which I know why they did it aesthetically, but it was pathetic. And, like, you've gone to games there. Yeah. Was, you, you were just there, weren't you? Yeah, New Year's Eve. And Okay, New Year's Eve would have been sold out. Yep. You can't move in that place. No, no, it was like cattle, you know, herding the cattle there yeah. in, during the intermissions with yeah. those very tight concourses. Yeah, so they've got a news conference set for about 3.30 hour time, and it comes less than a week before the writ is to drop for the May provincial election. And they have the owners of the Flames, the uh, mayor of Calgary, the Alberta Premier, Daniel Smith, and they are going to have a press conference here in five minutes' time on the future of the rink in Calgary, you got to think uh, voting time. They'll get something done. They have to get something done. This thing is the oldest rink in the league, and they've already said, "Listen, we're losing out on concerts and things." And you know, Blaine, it drives them nuts that Edmonton has a state-of-the-art best rink in the NHL right now. Oh, absolutely, especially you know earlier on when. A lot of those uh, World Juniors, for example, Calgary would get the tournaments because Calgary had a nicer rink than the Rexall place. Yeah. Now Edmonton's getting all those uh, hockey games. And I, I almost wonder if like Calgary would ever get the Olympics again at this point. They probably would have the hockey games in Edmonton, I would think, if yeah. they'd ever go for That's the Olympics. That's a good point. That's a good point. And uh, so they'll be, they'll get on it and uh, get a new rink. And as much as I don't like the Flames, they do. They've got a good fan base and they do deserve a new rink. Although having said that, it is a dump. But it's not a dump. It's a dump by <laughs> NHL standards, but it's got a lot of character. There's been a lot of great games played in that rink, both internationally and, of course, in the NHL. Oh, yeah, I know. I know there's one one goal in particular I'm sure you enjoyed in that rink but back in 88. But we'll, yeah, we'll, Gretzky, the yeah. last, that was his last ever goal in Calgary. Yeah, we'll, Slap shot over well. Vernon Schuller. I will tell you this. You know, you have said probably and all this stuff that it probably hit a stick. I'm even smart enough to know that in that rink, the Calgary Flames beat the Tampa Lightning in the 2004 Stanley Cup when the goal didn't count and they go on to lose in Game 7. I even knew that. That should have been a Stanley Cup win on home ice in Calgary for the Flames. I was happy they didn't get it, but I'm smart enough to know it should have counted. They didn't even review the play. That's the thing that really gets me what drives me gets me crazy about that. But they didn't even stop and have a review afterwards. Did it they was... have the review process in there? I don't think they did yet. Uh, I, I they... want to say they. if they did, then that is egregious. I don't remember. I just remember John Davidson afterwards when he was doing color commentary was like, hey, it was in, it's in. You know, and it was kind of afterwards, but they never they never reviewed that play. They never went stop and had that five-minute delay that we probably would have had. Yeah. A million camera angles. We never had that. And I love the fact that uh, maybe arguably... Uh, is McGinley your best player ever? Oh, yeah. He, Jerome McGinley is so. the best Calgary Flame ever, and he's from Edmonton. <laughs> That's the best. 
They're, that is they're the, the best. The, unfortunately, a lot of the Cal- good Calgary players are making success elsewhere, like yeah. Brayden Points, Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr, yeah. No, no. There's a couple. That's no, a good hockey town, and I think they're probably going to build it on the same site. That's what they've yeah. been talking about. Yeah, I think it's right it's, near downtown. I think it's just going to be north of the Saddle Dome. Yeah, interesting. All right, we got lots more sports to get to. If you're calling, we'll get to your calls. 936-6262 in town, toll free, out of town, 1-866-767-0620. It's the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Yeah, sports ticker, and tonight in the NHL, Carolina. Time now for Cougars in the Cage, a weekly look at the sporting scene of the University of Regina. Cougars in the Cage brought to you by our friends at Freeze Tallman. They've been your trusted building material supplier for every type of project since 1956. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Coupel. Well, recently, the U of R Athletics capped off their season at the Var City Sports Awards Banquet. Rams linebacker Ryder Varga headlined the list of winners by taking home the U of R President's Award, which is given annually to the student-athlete who best exemplifies the combination of academic and athletic excellence. Women's basketball player Jade Belmore was named the U of R Female Athlete of the Year after being named a second-team All-Canadian, a Can West first-team All-Star, and leading the Cougars to the conference semifinals. The men's side featured co-recipients of the Athlete of the Year, Yushiritsi Itsekiri and Rams defensive lineman Anthony Bennett tied in the award voting. Itsekiri won gold in both the 60-meter dash and the 4x200-meter relay at the U-Sports and Can West meets, while Bennett was named a U-Sports All-Canadian after setting the U of R single-season sacks record. Bennett is eligible for the upcoming CFL draft. And no shocker here, women's head basketball coach Dave Taylor named the U of R Coach of the Year for second time. He was also the Can West Coach of the Year and the U Sports Coach of the Year after guiding the Lady Cougs to a 27 and 5 overall record. And that's been Cougars in the Cage. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. And the show on this Tuesday is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. And we're joined by the new coach of the Regina Red Sox, Ben Kamenoski. How are you today, Ben? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? Doing great. You're at Indiana State right now. How's the season going? Oh, it's going really well. Uh, team's playing really good. You know, we're on a 14-game winning streak right now. Um, everything's just kind of starting to click. It's a really good program here. Uh, things are looking really good for us. Just got to keep it up. We got a couple of really tough weekends coming up here and towards the end of the season. So uh, we'll see, but it's going really well. Life as a coach at the collegiate level, you bounce around a lot. Uh, is that a tough life? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it's been for me ever since I graduated high school. You know, I'm never in one place for too long so you know I'm kind of used to it at this point but uh you know I really enjoy it here a lot of really good people here have made this feel like home for me so you know like I said I'm used to it at this point but you know it's definitely difficult uh not staying in one place for too long just continuing to bounce around yeah do you kind of forget where you are sometimes 
Oh, sometimes, sometimes it all starts to blend together, you know, but, you know, like I said, I enjoy it. It's just kind of how it's been for me since high school. So, you know, it's part of my life and, you know, yeah, I love it. So it doesn't yeah. get any better than this. How excited are you to come coach the Red Sox here coming up in May? Oh, I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Our team's starting to look really good as we're uh, filling these final roster spots. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun coming home and, uh, you know, coaching the Red Sox, hometown. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a really cool experience. Yeah, is it kind of a, a, a pinch me moment almost? You, you know, coming full circle, hometown <laughs> guy played and now coaching. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I really expected it happening, but uh, yeah, definitely kind of a pinch me moment. Uh, you know, full circle, like you said, uh, getting to play for that team. I had a lot of fun playing for them uh, back in 2019. So. You know, it makes it more exciting to come coach that team now and just be a part of that community again. It really pumps me up. So. How, how, how did it come to be that you became the coach of this team? I mean, pretty much Rye, Rye Pothicus, he's the director of operations for the Red Sox there. He's, he's been there a long time. He's, he and I have known each other, you know, all since I was in high school. But uh, he kind of reached out to me one day in the fall and asked me if I had any interest in coaching the Red Sox uh, for this upcoming summer. And, uh, you know, it just kind of took off from there. I told them, absolutely, you know, I'd be in. And, you know, went through a couple of interview processes. And, uh, you know, he's been a big factor in, in helping me get up there and putting this team together. Ben Kamanoski, the new coach of the Regina Red Sox. Uh, growing up in Regina, it's not exactly, and no disrespect, but it's not exactly a baseball <laughs> hotbed. That's not the sport you think of first. How did that become your first love? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Uh, growing up, I kind of played everything. Uh, in high school, I was playing four or five different sports every year, um, just depending on what time of year it is, you know, how it goes up there. Yeah. Um, just baseball was just one of those ones that I just gravitated to more, I guess. I uh, kind of fell in love with it at a really young age. Um, it was a sport that I was good at, and I had the drive to get better at every single day. So, you know, as I kind of got older and went through high school, I started narrowing down sports and you know, baseball was always at the top of the priority list for me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's always been that first love for me, I guess you could say. When did you know you wanted to be a coach, Ben? Uh, so when I graduated college, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, what I did know is that I wanted to still be involved in the game. Uh, so that summer after I graduated, I was uh, working for a perfect game. That's a collegiate and high school scouting organization down here in the U.S., um, I was working there doing some baseball scouting down in Florida. Uh, and it was fun. You know, I enjoyed it still being around the game, like I said, but I just missed that, uh, that competitiveness and that's, you know, just college competition experience. You know, it's, it was a missing piece of my life. So I knew I wanted to stay in the game and coaching seemed like something I really wanted to do. And, you know, so I hopped on that, and you know I've loved it so far. Like I said, I'm back in that competitiveness every single day, and it's it's awesome. It's a thrill. So I'm glad I went this direction. Okay, Ben. Lastly, uh, the uh, the fans coming to watch the Red Sox this year. What kind of game do you want your Regina Red Sox to play? Uh, you know, kind of like how I operated my team last summer, man. I just want our guys to play with a lot of energy, a lot of aggression. Uh, you know, I've always said just be the aggressors in every facet of the game, you know, on the bases, at the plate, on the mounds, um, just playing loose, having fun, and being aggressive all around. Ben, thanks for your time, man. Can't wait to see how the Red Sox perform under your tutelage. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
Yeah, it's Ben Kamanowski joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Check out your uh, local uh, Western Pizza for their pickup and dine-in specials. Michael Wall in studio here at the corner of 12th and Rose along with my sidekick here uh, in for Sean Kleisinger. It's uh, Blaine Weiland. Um, first off, let's talk about the Red Sox. I was at the dinner uh, emceeing it. Uh, Getzlaff boys on there. We had a, a great time on stage along with uh, Brendan McGuire and raised some good money for the Red Sox. Our season coming upon us very quickly. Uh, you know, talking about new stadiums and things. Gore, or the Curry Field, named after Gord Curry. They're going to change the configuration of that eventually. That's what the city has in mind, Parks and Rec, where... where um, Home plate is now. It's yeah. going to be in center field and just change everything around. Okay. And change everything around. Uh, add for better parking and, and and then change the you know they're going to upgrade stands and all that type of stuff. So keep it on the existing site. Change it all around. They'll have to start probably get going right when the season's done. But the league has informed the Red Sox that they need a new stadium. It's an, an uh, inadequate uh, ballpark for what they want to have or what they want to present and. Uh, Al Simpson, who is a uh, vice president of the Red Sox, said at the dinner, listen, they've informed us of this, but they said, hey, if we can't get something done, we're going to have to take a year away from the league. But he said that's not going to happen. So we'll f- they'll figure it out. And uh, City's on board with helping out the Red Sox. Uh, not just the Red Sox. It'll be used at, at large. It's a, it's a great place to watch a game. It really is. Oh, yeah, definitely. Except last year, uh, <laughs> driving through that construction zone. Oh, was, I know. That, that was times, terrible. At times, I got a little... I, my, I know I got a few lost a couple times and took the exit off the ring road and have to do a couple yeah, laps around. That's but. done now, but uh, <laughs> everything else uh, should be straight ahead and uh, onwards and upwards for the Regina Red Sox. Speaking of new stadiums, you uh, got the deets on the Calgary Stadium there, your team? Yeah, I just seen some deets. Now, keep in mind, what I guess they're kind of explaining now, I just kind of skimmed through the details, that this is not necessarily just a rink they're building. It sounds like it's a convention center. center. Yeah, Like the Oilers built a downtown ice yeah. district. Yeah, that's what you got to go with there. So yeah. That's why, because it looks like the funding's breaking down. The city's going to Fund. I'm looking through a release here. $537.3 million to fund the development of the event center, parking structure, the enclosed plaza, and 25% of the community rink. Uh, the Calgary Sports Events Center is going to provide $40 million up front and $17 million per year yeah. over 35 years to offset the event center costs, parking, the enclosed plaza, and 25% of the rink. Um, skimming through, the province is contributing $330 million. Yeah, how much is the, what I really want to get to without numbers, well, how much is the owners given to this? Like, what is the owners paying to this? Is that the, uh, is that, that the 40? I believe the Calgary's, uh, that's the 40 million. Yeah, the, uh, the Calgary Sports Events, yeah, uh, the okay. Events Ownership okay. Group. That's yeah, like yeah. the Flames yeah. Stampeders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the province one, I'm now I'm not too sure because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Oilers got nothing from the province. No, no, they did. They got something from the province. They did it right before, right before everything hit the fan. Uh, before the pan, like it was be- way before the pandemic, okay. and then the economy went into the dumper with oil and gas. I'm not 100 percent sure of the dollars and signs, but uh, yeah. for that rink, but uh, they're going to as well 30 million dollars to fund 50 percent of the rink, and then the Calgary Stampede. They're going to agree to a land uh, transfer, which I believe means. On the new side of the rig is going to be what was Calgary Stampede property. Yeah. They're going to switch. Yeah. I would imagine after demolition of the Saddle Dome, the Stampede will get the property that the Saddle Dome's on. It'll now. be in the same area just to switch yeah. it around. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So it looks like the Flames are going to uh, quit being the poor Alberta brother and get themselves a, hey, the Oilers have a six-man hot tub. We need to have a six-man or an eight-man hot tub, too, because we're Calgary. 
not Edmonton. It's like Springfield versus Shelbyville. <laughs> That's right. Like what was that? Uh, uh, what was it? Dog River versus Wallerton, yeah, right? Yep. Yeah. Anyway, when we come back, we'll mo- have more of the sports cage here in a moment on six twenty CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Well, Rogers Sportsnet spent a lot of money on NHL action. And right now, according to uh, Adam Seaborn, who covers these types of things on Twitter, round one not living up to Sportsnet's expectation for viewership. Winnipeg series estimated to draw $1 million a game, delivering only 50% of that. Leafs bolts yet to eclipse $3 million, which they thought they would easily. Leafs advancing to round two, absolutely critical. They'll try to do that tomorrow. They have blown 3-1 leads before, so it wouldn't be the first time, but I think uh, after that game yesterday, first of all, Andre Vasilevsky uh, has been so good for so long, but he's playing like a beer league goalie, Blaine Wild. He doesn't look very good at all, and uh, I think the Leafs are probably going to win it tomorrow, actually. I think so, too. I think this is the Leafs' time to get past the first round. They won't get past Boston. Let's not kid ourselves. Boston will steamroll them uh, because I don't think Toronto's got that good a goaltending, but I will tell you, they've got good enough goaltending when Vasilevsky's not playing up to the way he should. No, I agree with you, and I think the best move that they made... Uh, I don't know, even just be not even including this year, but be going years past, getting Ryan Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. I, I think that was a yeah. great move by Dubas. Now, I don't think that Toronto will get... I should back that up. It's not like they're going to get swept by Boston, but it'll go five or it'll go six games. Boston's just Boston's just too good. Like I, the, Boston will have to blow it themselves not to win the Stanley Cup this year, in my opinion. Yeah, Boston's giving me the... Uh, the uh, I guess I would say the uh, Colorado uh, Tampa Bay field. That feel? you, yeah, the last couple of years yeah. they feel like a team of almost destiny. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to the phones here. I think John the Habs fans calling if he's there. John, you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing, Bolsey? Hey, good. Blaine. How you doing? What's up? What's up there, John? Well, you know, you guys talked about the Kale McCarr hit. Uh, Morgan and Riley should have had the same thing. That was boarding all day long. I don't care what a league fan says. If that was one of their guys, they'd be up in arms. They'd be crying and bawling. Yeah, I just think I think what saved Morgan Riley, to be honest with you, and it's not like, hey, listen, NHL seems to have pick and choose uh, refereeing, pick and choose justice. We'll call this, but we won't call that. Some ridiculous calls and non-calls. Uh, I think what saved Morgan Riley is because uh, Bunting already was suspended, so they weren't going to suspend another Leaf. But Kale McCarr, he should have got three games. Blaine and I differ on this. I think Kale McCarr should have got three games for that hit on McCann. I agree. Like, you know, he used the boards. He used the boards on uh, instead of an elbow. What do you think of tonight's action? Do you think Carolina gets by the Islanders tonight? Yeah, uh, Carolina will. They'll beat the Islanders tonight. I'll tell you what, the Islanders, uh, I thought they'd be a little better than they are, but you got to give kudos to Carolina. They have injuries galore, and they're just rolling teams. They are, and Bulgy, your Oilers are going to win tonight. That And that high stick, I agree with you, that was high stick, you know, when he knocked the puck down. So, um, Technically, the Oilers should be up 3-1. Well, I, to be quite honest with you, the Oilers, if they didn't take some stupid penalties and have some calls go against them, I think it actually could have been a sweep. I'm not joking. But 
we are where we are, and LA's got a good team. Let's not let's not overlook this. Like it's not like the Oilers are playing the 1982 LA Kings. They're playing a very good team. They're only five points back of it. They're only playing five points back of Edmonton. I I think the Oilers. I I do think the Oilers will win. Um, but it's you know uh, Kane's hurt, so that's going to be interesting too. Um, but bo- I know you're not a you you hate Boston, but you got to admit Boston looks pretty unstoppable. You know, Ballsy, I'll put that aside, uh, that hatred for them. If they play Toronto, um, <laughs> and they will, and they'll beat, uh, they'll beat the Leafs in five games. I'm yeah. that confident they'll be in five. Yeah, I think so, too. Hey, let's switch gears for a second since we got you, Johnny, and you're a big sports fan. What do you, uh, what do you make of the Riders this season? Are you pretty pumped for training camp coming up here? They, re- they release their dates and everything like that. I am. You know, it's, uh, you know, a do or die for Reynolds and, uh, the coach, you know, and they know if they don't do it this year, they're both going to get fired. So I think they went out and uh, made the moves to uh, save their jobs because let's see if this blows up, Ballsy, you know that they're both gone. Yeah, and uh, it could be a situation. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Riders will have a decent season. I think where my concern with the Rough Riders is is depth. Like they are good up for, they are good with a lot of their starting players. But if they get into injury situations, uh, you know, D line, secondary, uh, quarterback, obviously, but that you could say that about a lot of teams. They'll be in trouble. So they, they in linebacker core too. Like they they're thin in a lot of areas. So that's where we're gonna see. That's where I'm most eager to watch things in training camp and how that shakes down. What did they find? And I want to see Darrell Walker, too. I, I think he's got something to prove, you know, because uh, yeah. for a while there, he was the best receiver not only in the Eskimos, but he's probably one of the best in the league. Yeah, I, I wonder if, I, I hope Father Time hasn't caught up with him. I'm looking forward to Winicky. Winicky, uh, I think Winicky, you know, he had injuries last year. They had the Rolodex at quarterback between VA and Trevor Harris. I, I think, and for the money they spent on him, like 150000 tops, that's a steal if they can get a good year out of him. I think so, too. And it's nice to see that they'll have, well, they have three receivers with uh, Schaefer Baker, Walker, and... Uh, Winicky. Otherwise, yep. you know, they had Kyron. I can't catch the football more. I'm glad <laughs> he's gone. I'm looking forward to Braden Lenius, too. I think Lenius is going to have an, a, a great year. He's going to get back down to that weight that he was at before he went and beefed up to go to the NFL. And we've got a good uh, pronged attack in the backfield. I really like, uh, you know, Phillips long in the tooth, but I'm, I'm happy having Philip Blake back at 37. And I think Peter Godber's a nice signing. They wanted Michael Couture at center, but they got Godber out of BC. And uh, I don't think we've seen the last of Dan Clark. Like, Dan Clark's working as an ambassador, but if the Riders ever ran into injury problems, I think you could Dust off, uh, dust off old Dan Clark, who's not going anywhere, and he could come down from the offices and he could pick up the offense and go on that line. And he could, and he, uh, he's still better than probably most of those guys on that old line anyway. <laughs> well, the Riders moved on from him, so I don't know if they agree with you, but I wouldn't say he's uh, he's terrible by any stretch of the imagination. All right, uh, John, thanks for your uh, time, man. I appreciate it. You too, Bolsey. Thank you. Hey, uh, so Blaine, who do you got in the uh, game tonight? Do you think the Blades are going to come all the way back or is Red Deer going to knock them off? That's I, a tough feat, man. It's never been done in the Eastern Conference, as Les told us yeah. yesterday, uh, yesterday. I I really I think the Blades are going to pull it off. I, I do too. I, I mean, going to this playoffs, you know, I thought they were the second best team behind Winnipeg. I mean, technically they had the second most points. They were the number three, the number three seed, but they did get home ice advantage against uh, Red Deer. Just they're a solid, just the entire roster. They're they got so much depth. You know, uh, some scouts have joked that the Seattle Thunderbirds could beat an AHL team. 
Now, I don't think so. I've always, you know, you hear this too, oh, Alabama could beat, the, back in the day, Alabama could beat the Jags or whatever. It's 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 man against boy, so I don't agree with that. But through two rounds of the Western Hockey League playoffs, the T-Birds are 8-0, and it, and it hasn't even been close. They've outscored their opponents 39-9. to Dylan Gunther has uh, 10 goals, Arizona uh, draft pick in eight games. Brad uh, Lambert from uh, the Winnipeg organization, the Jets, is 14 in six games. And Thomas, is it uh, Milich, has a 9.53 save percentage. I'm looking forward to seeing how they uh, they go up against uh, Kamloops and if it's going to be another dominating series by Seattle or if it's going to be a six, seven game series. I'm happy Kamloops got this far so they're not technically backdooring it. You know what I mean? When yeah. you're a Memorial Cup champ, at least you get to that last round where you can yeah. make it. You know what I mean? Yeah, we've seen teams before, you know. Well, the, the Pats, uh, <laughs> the Pats yeah. in 2001 lost in the first round of the playoffs, right? And yeah. had to sit it all out. I remember years ago in Weyburn, uh, they lost it on the first round in the playoffs, didn't yeah. play for a couple months that they went and won the 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 then Royal Bank Cup yeah, in Weyburn. Yeah, so uh, uh, good on the Seattle Thunderbirds. I, I I think it's shaping up to be a Seattle-Winnipeg uh, final. Uh, the ice just dominated last night. I don't know how Saskatoon, if if Saskatoon would say come back and win tonight, like that is just a lot of games and really hard-fought series. Uh, you know, first against the Pats, now against the Rebels. Like, I really wasn't too sure if the Blazers would have enough mileage after that series against the Pats, you know, going seven games while the rest of the series were, you know, short order but uh it's going to be tough i really well, think the sj or the whl is really bro- boiled down to those four or five teams at the end well i'll tell you what they uh they came back from two nothing down on the pats lost the first two in their rink both times and have fought their way back if they win i am not counting the blades out at all like i i i assume it'll be the ice but i wouldn't be shocked if the blades get it done somehow yeah and the pats they really let them off the hook in game three like the pats oh. should have took game three against the Blades. they were they, they were like 30 seconds away from yeah, doing it 30 yeah. seconds away from a sweep because they would have won game four. The Blades would have packed it in. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine that scenario. Up 3 nothing back at the Brandt Center with Bedard again. That's like, how close hockey is. Look yep, at Edmonton. Yep. If Jack Campbell doesn't make that save, the Oilers probably aren't winning three games in a row against the LA Kings. Now they have home ice advantage in a best of three. All because Jack Campbell comes off the bench and makes an unbelievable save on Arvidsson. It is, that was a momentum uh, shifter. Now it just depends if they can carry it on through tonight or if there's another momentum shifter on the, on the, in the cards tonight. Skinner will get the start back in net for Edmonton and Evander Kane is questionable with a lower body injury. So stay tuned to that one. It's going to be a good game tonight. Got a couple of good contests on the dance card. Minnesota Minnesota and Dallas tied it to a piece, and Carolina trying to close out the Islanders up three games to one. We'll have more of the sports cage after four o'clock, including a chat with our betting expert Andy McNamara talking NFL draft. This is the sports cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. All right, he's back on the Western Pizza Hotline here on this Tuesday for Saskatchewan Lotteries. It's our buddy Andy McNamara, our betting expert. And uh, we've been waiting for it. It's finally done. The Packers fleece the Jets in trading Aaron Rodgers. Boy, ballsy. It's done. No more having to go to the pit of darkness or shame or whatever hole he was crawling into. No, no, it's decided. And yeah, the Packers made out pretty good. But you know what? 
there's a way, of course, that this could work out for both. If Aaron Rodgers goes in and he has the Jets win the AFC East and takes them on a run, then I'm sure they'll take it. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's the Jets and you just think inevitably something's going to go wrong. But he's following the Brett Favre path for Packers great quarterbacks, isn't he? Yeah, he is, but he's going to wear number. He's going to wear number eight, not number four. So that's a good thing, and he's not going to be so arrogant to take uh, Namath's number twelve. But let's look at this for a second. The Packers get a first round swap in twenty twenty three, a high second yeah. round pick in twenty twenty three, a likely first rounder in twenty twenty four if he gets sixty five percent of the snaps, which he will, and sixty million bucks off the books, all for a guy who wasn't going to play for them anyway. <laughs> that's it, right? That's exactly it. Now. For the, the Jets, that's 65% thing. That's, that's such a weird number because you're right. That's, that's going to happen unless he gets hurt. That's going to happen. So he's, they're going to have to give up that first-round pick for a quarterback who's, what, almost 40, right? And, and Now, like, if you get MVP-level Aaron Rodgers with how that defense has been built at the Jets, sneaky good, and the pieces that are around him that he's comfortable with, um, you can make some noise. But I don't know. It, it's it's the, the, the hot topic thing to crown them if it's me i'm still taking the buffalo bills in the east they're still the second best team in the afc east to me are they even better than miami i think yes only because you can't count on tua you can't you just you know he's one one blink too hard you scared him too long away to another concussion the guys unfortunately you can't rely on him i don't know what the miami dolphins are doing because track this okay two if tua goes down again um I don't think Tyreek Hill is going to be uh, Mr. Company Man for too long. That's not really his vibe, is it? No. So I could see that. I could see him starting to get a little vocal if things don't start going well. Because he went to Miami for the money, of course, but also for a chance to compete for at least the playoffs. Uh this could be uh, Packers cir- uh, circa early '80s before Magic Man mm-hmm. got there, and then Brett Favre. Like they could. I don't know how Jordan Love's going to work out there. I have zero confidence in Jordan Love. Zero. Zero. Below zero. I hated the draft pick when it was. It was a stupid draft pick by the Packers because you could have got them to help Brett Favre. Or sorry, to help Aaron Rodgers at that time. They declined. They got Jordan Love, who I wasn't impressed with at all coming out of college, especially not for a first-round pick that you're going to park. And you could have spent that capital on something to try to help you win another championship. Has there been an organization in the NFL more Spoiled and have done less with being uh, gifted two franchise Hall of Fame quarterbacks in Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. The fact that they've only run won one Super Bowl each, each has to be considered in some degree a failure when really if the organization let those two quarterbacks down. You should have multiple titles. I can uh, jump in here for a second. It, it, hit, it hits home when you say that. Actually, there is an organization that comes to mind worse. The... Uh, the uh, Chargers had Drew Brees before he was spectacular. Mm. Then he hurt his right. shoulder. They got Philip Rivers, and then they got Justin Herbert, and they haven't won a championship at all. That's that's fair. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry to have to agree with you on your Chargers, but you're right. Yeah, like they had, a, right. they had a 14 and two season. If Marlon McCree just goes down when he picks it off, they beat the Patriots and probably go on to win the Super Bowl. That was the year when oh Lights Out Merriman was so great and LT set the record for touchdowns in a season. And they just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to go down that path, oh. but but I, 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 
anytime a team wins a couple of championships, they're still better than my team. Hey, Lamar, mm, Lamar too. Jackson, traded, not traded? He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. And the reason is because of the Jalen Hurts deal. So that deal goes with the Eagles, right? Mm-hmm. And there's here's the problem. For Lamar Jackson's, I was going to say Lamar Jackson's camp, but it's him and his mom because he refuses to get an agent for some reason. Stupid. And then the Ravens side. You can make arguments why both sides make sense for the other side's uh, negotiation. For uh, Lamar, it's, well, look, the annual average is, what, 51 mil for Jalen Hurts. That's more than you were offering me and certainly more than the franchise tag of 32 or whatever it is and change mil. From the Ravens side, it's like, hey, man, look, that dude Jalen Hurts won more playoff games than in one year than you have in your whole career got to a Super Bowl, and he's not getting fully guaranteed money. And I can make the argument, and I personally believe this, is a better quarterback than you and a passer of the football. So why should we up the ante and give you fully guaranteed money? Because you got an MVP? Okay, cool. What'd that do for the team? Nothing. Jalen Hurts is a team guy. Jalen Hurts is a team guy. Lamar Jackson is a me guy. Yeah, that's a good point. This is Andy McNamara, our NFL and betting expert. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of... I'm kind of underwhelmed by this draft class. How about you? Um, you know what? It doesn't necessarily have the super-duper star power of players in the past. And, and namely, that goes around the quarterbacks, right? If you have the Trevor Lawrence, if you have the you know, Baker Mayfield, whatever, if you have the top, the, the like, ooh, ah, star, here you have, I think, very good quarterbacks in – um, CJ Stroud, certainly Bryce Young, Will Levis is right in the mold of Josh Allen. And I'm ballsy. I'm telling you, if that guy get falls into a Buffalo Bills type situation with stability, growth and patience that Josh Allen had, Will Levis could potentially be the best quarterback in well, this draft. Some However, pe- some people are he could say- easily be, huh? Some people are saying he could be number one. Now the better, the betting uh, odds wow. are that he could be number one. Now that would be ridiculous in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though hey there's i'll have to the the latest odds like it's uh, i think it was minus 1800 for bryce young to be first overall so it's like an absolute gimme for bryce young but for will levis if you if hey if that's what you think if people are thinking that then uh he is uh third it goes uh young stroud Levis, well, he's uh, ten- Levis plus four seventy five to be the number one pick. So well, you think that could be him? Some insider betting. He's telling people that the Carolina Panthers told him they'll be uh, he'll be the top pick with their draft pick. So that's wow. what he's been telling people. Well, so here's the other thing too. So I'm I'm looking now at the updated um, odds here, Balzi, from our good buddies at DraftKings Sportsbook. And CJ Stroud has fallen to third for the first overall pick, the most likely. Bryce Young minus a thousand. Will Levis has jumped to second, probably because of the notes you're saying, uh, plus four seventy five. CJ Stroud plus twenty five hundred, and Anthony Richardson after that at plus thirty five hundred. Will Levis, you know what? Here's the thing. I like Bryce Young, the college player. I like Bryce Young for what I can tell the guy. Did you hear the interview he gave? That like yeah. people are calling you short, huh? And and where other people are would like freak out and whatever. He's like. Hey, man, that's sports. It's entertainment. I get it. He's like, I don't take it personal. It's entertainment. It gives people to talk about. He was so disarming and pleasant. I was like, oh, man, I wish you were 6'4", bro. I'd be cheering like crazy for you. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. He can't, can't control your DNA. Hey, lastly, I didn't. I didn't like it when the 49ers uh, 
pick Trey Lance that high? Is Trey, is Trey Lance staying there just because they picked him that high? It, they, uh, John Lynch, GM, has said, hey, we're fielding calls. We're open. He, I believe his quote was like, hey, we don't have a 1-800-call Trey uh, hotline or anything. But they're fielding offers. To think you spent that draft capital and your guy's going to be Brock Purdy and make, you know, heck, Tom Brady story, whatever. It is so rare that something like a Brock Purdy happens and then is sustainable. Like, I could really see Brock Purdy, uh, Purdy crashing back down to earth. Yeah. Um, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's a star. But if you're the 49ers, I don't really know what you can expect to get. Like, I would think you'd have to be asking for a first round pick. But if you're a team, this guy barely played any college ball and has been hurt and barely played any pro ball. So why would you give up a first-round pick? And is, is Tom Brady done, or is he going to come back? <laughs> I hope he comes back. Come on, Tommy. One more, baby. Go to, go to the 49ers. Let's, let's make it fun. Why not? Throw another name in there. Well, they asked him, about, put... they asked him about the Dolphins, and he didn't outright dismiss it a, a while oh, ago. Oh, my gosh. Boy. You know. It's something where if you're Tom Brady and, and these veterans, they hate training camp, right? Look at Dominic and Sue yeah. <laughs> the past couple of years. He's like, ah, I'll come in. I don't like that, that August. Um, <laughs> look, Tom Brady, it might, it, he very well could. I don't, I don't think it would make a ton of sense for him, but if a place like Miami does on paper, why not? Because you have the pieces around. That Miami team was built to say, hey, Tua, you got all the pieces. We'll get ha- guess what happened. Tua got hurt a lot. So now, if you have all the pieces around him and you plunk in a Tom Brady, not too far removed, as a safety net, as a guy who can, if two goes down, on paper it makes a ton of sense. I don't know if he's, he looked, physically when you looked at him, he looked done. Like in his face, his eyes, he looked done. So we'll have to see. I would love to see it because be, that would be a heck of a story. Like you put Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady with Josh Allen in the East. Let's go. Yeah, that would match what's going on in the AFC West uh, with the Peyton joining Russell Wilson over there. Hey, Andy, where can they find your stuff? Oh, get me on Twitter, guys. Andy MC81 going to have a ton of NFL draft stuff coming up this week on the Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara. It's on YouTube, Instagram as well at Andy MC Sports and at Sick Pod Brown. So check that out. We're going to have lots and lots of good NFL drafts, fantasy football, and betting stuff. Our Clutch Performers brought to you by our friends at Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call, 781-1077. And our Clutch Performer comes to us from Seattle as they win their first ever game on home ice. It's an overtime and a buddy of the sports cage ends it. Daniel Sprong from the wall. Sprong steps up, fires, block, loose puck, Everly to Schwartz, loose puck, they score! Jordan Everly! We got ourselves a series. Uh, yes, they do. And Jordan Eberly goes down on the record book, like I said, with that overtime winner set up by another Regina area guy. Jaden Schwartz and the uh, Seattle uh, Kraken knock off the uh, Colorado Avalanche 3-2. And now uh, Kale McCarr's out for the next game after he ran uh, Jared McCann into the corner glass. And McCann probably going to be out for the... Well, he missed all the rest of that game and probably won't play this next game. And this guy, McCarr's out for a game. You fell asleep in that one. I went to bed way before that one was done. Yeah, they only, I only caught the overtime of last night's game of uh, the Avs and the Kraken. Mm-hmm. Uh... 
I got a real well. Let's talk hockey here before we get to 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 the football talk. We'll just keep it on the same train tonight. The Saskatoon Blades take on the Red Deer Rebels. Game seven of that series with a win. The Saskatoon Blades will go on to face the Winnipeg Ice, who uh, bombed the Moose Jaw Warriors eight two yesterday, emphatically winning that series in six games. Leafs trailed four one going into the third, but rallied for a big overtime victory, five uh, four over the Tampa Lightning. Lightning looked like they're running out of gas. Alex Kerfoot tips home the point shot. Banged up Jets are on the brink of elimination. Back-to-back home losses to the Vegas Golden Knights. Fell 4-2 last night. Mark Shifley has a breakaway. Tries to deke out Laurent Bossois. Trips over him. Slams into the boards. Later on, a few minutes later on the power play, goes for a one-time shot and doesn't get much on it. And it looks like he wrecked his shoulder. They're calling it an upper body injury. So Shifley's out. No Nikolai Ehlers and no Josh Morrissey. No chance. They're done. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No chance. He's got to stand on his head. And the Devils, how about that? That's a road series. Uh, the the Rangers win two in, in uh, Jersey in the Swamp, and then they go to MSG and win two. That's a tight series. Yeah, I really thought that the Rangers were going to take control after stealing the first two in Jersey, but uh, the Devils have responded well, taking two at the MSG. How about uh, NBA? Good thing Zinger's away. Good thing Zinger's away. His Bucks lose again. Jimmy Butler channeling his D Wade, fifty six points, a Heat record. They went on to beat um, Milwaukee, and they're up uh, three games to one on the Bucks now. Did yeah. Giannis play in that game? I didn't even yeah, watch. I believe so. Yeah, he was gonna play. Uh, LeBron James at twenty two. The Lakers <laughs> win in overtime over the Grizzlies, one seventeen, one eleven. They're up three games to one on. Morant and the Grizz. Yeah, and I think a few times this year they kind of wrote the obituary for LeBron and the Lakers a few times this year, I believe. Yeah, yeah I think they've got a puncher's chance in the West. Yeah. The West is kind of like the NHL West. It's kind of open, and many stayed alive by bouncing the Nuggets uh, in that day game. So I think it was 114-108, so it's a three games to one for Denver. Uh, Biggio yesterday, Gavin Biggio, a three-run shot for the Jays. They knocked off the White Sox at the Rogers Center, 5-2. to two. He hit a 16 nine mile an hour like uh, what do you call it it was knuckleball or yeah. something and just smoked it over the fence uh, so the Jays are back at it again uh, tonight now uh, your team the Calgary Flames getting a new rink the city the ownership group the province coming together to split the costs mostly taxpayer funded rink it's going to be a rink in a convention center on the stampede grounds there they'll just flip flop so the stampede will go where the demolished saddle dome is and then where the stampede grounds are is where they're probably going to build the saddle Battle Dome. So there you go. There. Um, I, uh, you know, quite honestly, <laughs> TSN needs competition now as it comes to the CFL. Now, kudos to TSN for giving money to the CFL with a big contract, okay? It saved the league at a bad time. So I'm not going to totally blow up TSN. They've got great guys working on the CFL too. Their panel, Dunnigan, um, you know, uh, of course, Dustin Nielsen. They got Rod Rod Smith and our buddy Glenn Suter will join us a little later on. But do you not want to promote the product? I don't want to see poker or darts or, you know, it's great to watch women's March Madness or even men's March Madness. It's cheap programming because they just pick up the ESPN feed. But they have gone and cut their four preseason games down to two. Now, it's good for us because one of the games they cut was the Riders' home game against the BC Lions. So if you don't go to the game, you'll listen here on 620 CKRM. So we're happy about that. 
But they are keeping two broadcasts, Montreal and Ottawa, May 26th. The other one, the Riders at the Bombers, June 2nd. But why? Like, why? They don't have competition, though, right? Yeah, I'm not too sure why they cut those broadcasts, but I agree. Well, money. That- it's money. It's money. But you're not investing. Well, and, and then they give you these narratives. Well, like uh, the CFL is not, you know, viewership's down. Well, no, it's, you know, and, and when they compare it to the NFL, well, the NFL, you broadcast the Super Bowl and NFL playoffs on CTV and on TSN. You don't do that for the CFL. So it's not apples to apples. And you don't give it the same res- Respect. That's what kills me. That that you spent forty million dollars. You think you'd want to promote something you spent that much money on? Yeah, the promotion and the content as well. You know, like year round content and stuff. Like I remember a few one year they did like kind of a CFL countdown show, similar to what NFL does on ESPN. Yeah. They did that one year and they kind of took it off. You know, stuff like that. Even like kind of a more year round. Uh, uh, presence on TSN. You know, have more CFL content during the offseason. Not that all of a sudden it just pops up in May and here it is. You know, kind of more year-round content your, to keep it going. Your main beacon for information in the CFL is right here at 620 CKRM. Not just the riders. 620 CKRM is your voice of CFL football. We talk to lots of different people across the league, not just our own Rough Riders. It kind of pisses off Rider Nation, but I don't care. We are here to promote our team first, but the CFL at large, because we need a league to play in. And that's why we're covering the Canadian Football League draft on May the 2nd. Once the sports cage is done at 6, we'll flip a switch and go into our CFL draft show uh, from the opening pick till the end, mix in some interviews and talk. We'll have some experts on like John Hodge, Glenn Suter, Don Hewitt, some of the amateur coaches, maybe even some of the uh, professional uh, staff and coaches involved in the draft. But you're going to have it right here on 620 CKRM because we are your voice of three down football at all levels. Um, and the front runner in that category, but just just pisses me off. Um, we do need competition for TSN, absolutely, and hopefully this Montreal owner with the TVA mm-hmm. network he has, hopefully he can uh, at least challenge him for the French rights, and then maybe when it opens up in a few years' time, you know, when it does open up, we can get uh, somebody on board or some sort of streaming service on board to challenge. Competition makes every business better. It's, it absolutely does. Every it absolutely bit, yeah. does. And we, with guys like Blaine Weiland helping me out, we're blowing the competition away in sports talk in Saskatchewan. Coming up, Jim Mullen from Football Canada will talk about a bunch of things, including it being a big day at SFU and a referee shortage in the country. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. If something isn't working, sometimes you just gotta flick the switch to something better. Switch and save at the Wireless Age or SaskTel authorized dealer. Switch to SaskTel and sign up for the Total Share or VIP Unlimited Wireless Plan. Add on to your data and watch your savings grow because the more data you add, the more dough you save. Up to $15 a month for 24 months. So switch things up and save more money. Some conditions apply. See the Wireless Age for details. Your SaskTel authorized dealer. Some big-time hockey here with our sports ticker, and it's brought to you by our friends at Bronco Plumbing and Eating, where professional service 
It's guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. Carolina taking on the Islanders tonight in Raleigh. And the Carolina Hurricanes up three games to one. Dallas Stars are home to take on Minnesota. That series tied at two apiece. And the Edmonton Oilers are back on home ice taking on the LA Kings. That series tied at two apiece. Uh, Evander Kane is a question mark with a lower body injury. But Stuart Skinner will be back in the Oilers net. The Saskatoon Blades were down at one point three games to none. But they're back. And it's Game 7 tonight against the Red Deer Rebels. The winner gets the face. The Winnipeg Ice in the Eastern Conference Final. Good luck with that. NBA tonight. Boston is home to Atlanta. Denver is home to Minnesota. And Phoenix entertaining the Clippers. No no, a Kawhi Leonard. Time to move on from him. He's a Band-Aid. Uh, Phoenix, Denver, and Boston all up three games to one in that series. And the Jays taking on the White Sox. They get started in about a half an hour in T.O. That's your sports ticker. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. The CFL Report is brought to you by our good friends at Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine in Fort Coppell. Check them out online at kevinsmarine.com. Well, Coach Craig Dickinson joins us each Monday on the Sports Cage. And this week we asked him about their preparations for the CFL draft. And he admits they work really hard at it. But in the end, it's kind of a crapshoot as to how successful your draft pick will turn out to be. Yeah, it is. You know, you do the best you can, and we try to try to make it as, as precise as we can make it. But the reality is a lot of it comes down to work the players able to put in and willing to put in once he does get into your into your building. And, and then a little bit of luck. You know, if he's in a place where he gets an opportunity to play and he plays well early, all of a sudden his confidence grows and he, and he turns into a pretty good player. If, if he's in a place where maybe he doesn't get a chance to play early or he's thrown out there early, maybe sooner than he should be and he loses confidence and his, his career can go a different way so you're right the draft is uh is a crapshoot in a lot of ways but we do put a lot of work into it and we try to make sure we do as good a job as we can best position or best player what do you guys do what's your mentality going into this draft well we are always best player but at the same time we have to be realistic in what we're doing you know we dress five on offense and we dress two Canadians on defense. So we want to try to find the best player, but the best player that also fits what we're trying to do ratio-wise. Mm-hmm. And so what would be the best? Uh, I know uh, you're the guy that coaches them up, but you've said in the past that Jeremy, Kyle Carson, they let you uh, very much be in the in the mix here when it comes to picking the ingredients. Uh, from, from your knowledge of it, what would you say is the best positional group from what you saw at the Combine and going into this draft? I think the defensive line is a pretty solid group. Uh, and I also think the defensive backs are a good group. Those would be my two position groups that I think have the most depth and maybe the, 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 uh, the best quality players, specifically at the front end. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline on this Tuesday, brought to you by our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries and our longtime friend, President of Football Canada, Jim Mullen, joining us. He is busy with a bunch of different things. Uh, let's get this out of the way. Any more update from your end on this SFU debacle? 
Well, I think this thing's heading to court on May the 3rd. Today we have uh, a fundraiser, Amar Dolman, right. uh, and friends are willing to pledge up to $500,000 to uh, backstop the program, depending on the number of pledges that come in. Uh, the SFU Alumni Society is targeting 1,000 pledges today. And uh, it, it's been super to see the leadership that, that Amar has uh, applied uh, to this particular issue uh, in this community. Uh, leadership is something that, quite frankly, has been missing <laughs> at a number of levels uh, around this uh, around this SFU debacle. And uh, it, it's good to know that uh, in terms of the football community, at least, there is some. My concern going forward, Jim, is uh, who'd want to play there again? Given what uh, is going on at the administration level, well, that's a question for administration. Uh, quite frankly, for all of their sports at this stage, you know, we hear things from other teams as well with some pretty severe concerns um, uh, about intimidation, uh, about uh, threats to scholarships, about to. Uh, any number of other things that, you know, is really up to those uh, programs to tell their story. Uh, you know, I, I'm here as uh, the Football Canada person telling the, the football story. But uh, I can't think of a worse reputational hit that a university could take over the last three weeks than this. No. Because the university signs on to, uh, to uh, covenants, and pledges about uh, about diversity, about abuse-free sports, about all of these things that are in the flow of sports these days. And, and quite frankly, what they've demonstrated to the community over these uh, last few weeks is they don't stand by them when it comes to athletics. So um, if I'm a parent and I have a ch- child that is, that is thinking about going to Simon Fraser, I'm either pointing them towards Point Gray and UBC, or I'm pointing them up the valley to UFB or Trinity Western in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I would have serious consider uh, uh, reservations, rather, about sending my child to SFU, given what they've demonstrated here. Totally agree. Jim Mullen, President of Football Canada, joining us on a very busy day, which is always a busy day for him right now. Hey, CFL Football Canada creating a task force to help boost officiating recruitment and retention. T- tell us about that. Yeah, it's, uh, we've just gone through our uh, second meeting on this, and we're going into the uh, writing of the task force phase. You know, there's a lot of challenges out there when it comes to officiating. Uh, emerging from the pandemic, we had a number of officials just simply not come back uh, to officiating. So it's something that, that we have to address with a great deal of urgency. Uh, there's a program that was started in Ontario. It's called the Zebras Program. It really puts all the officials together in the team. It brings some energy to uh, officiating, recruiting, and, and retention, and respect. Um, it's something that we want to eventually push out to all of the provinces and populate with the, with the provinces. Football Canada has taken on an initiative to uh, fund uh, officiating uh, management positions within some of the, the uh, PSOs across the country. So we've addressed that portion of it. Uh, but in about three weeks' time, we should have a pretty comprehensive plan between the Canadian Football League and Football Canada uh, to address uh, the uh, challenges that we have in officiating 
And we already have some good signs coming out of Ontario with 110 new officials that have signed up through the Zebras program. So, you know, there, there's some challenges, I, I think, with, with attracting youth. I think there's some challenges with an urban-rural split in, in some cases about how the, uh, how the uh, profession is, is, is pursued. I think we're going to address all of those uh, in, in the task force and come out with something that is a uh, strategic plan uh, to, to address uh, a fifth PA. CFL office and teams investing about $3.1 million into amateur football last year. From your perspective, that's some good news, and I, I like good news. Don't you know, like to stay away from the negative. This is a good news thing. <laughs> you know, we do need some good news, don't we? Yeah. We <laughs> need some sunshine. Uh, you know, here's the thing. The, 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 the Canadian Football League, through its teams, uh, on the ground level, you can never question uh, the type of investment that they make back into their communities. Saskatchewan's probably the best example of this in terms of the riders really being embedded with the grassroots football community. Um, you know, uh, just after Regina Rams, how much the 50-50 means to them. So uh, the CFL is a conduit to either raise money or invest their own money. Uh, it's, it, it's in a lot of ways, it's really unparalleled in Canadian sport. And, and to, to see the uh, growth and the connection between CFL teams and what goes on in grassroots, say, in a place like Vancouver here, mm-hmm. where it wasn't that high of a priority before, but Amar Doman is making it more of a high priority there's more involvement from the teams in ontario uh working with with football ontario now that football ontario has their focus on outreach to uh other stakeholders uh you know there's that number that's out there right now uh i think it can grow and i think we need to be supportive of each other well i've talked to a number of people and i'm in the camp they say there's no bigger defender of canadian football than jim mullen so i'm thinking he probably had a hand in this in some form or fashion but i like what's been going on this off season with the cfl in terms of messaging from the office in terms of really uh really dialing into the canadiana of the canadian football league well, that's, that's the base, and you've, you've got to stir up the base, and you've got to rekindle the passion and excitement about being involved in something that is uh, a cultural driver in this country, uh, quite frankly, and, and how, how different can be compelling uh, in terms of uh, where the CFL uh, is in the marketplace. I, I was so encouraged and so proud of seeing Randy Ambrosi step up and make that statement about SFU and try to reach out to uh, leaders throughout the uh, university uh, community. You know, you, you know that Randy and I don't necessarily see eye to eye on everything, mm-hmm. but, but that was a major turning point for me. Like, you know, I'm a believer when you stand up for, for, for grassroots football, and that's exactly what Randy did in that situation, and hats off to him for that. Hats off to you too, man. Good luck with the rest of your work and the uh, myriad of phone calls and interviews you have to do. I'll let you go. Yeah, I'm off to another phone call, buddy. See ya. (laughs) Take care. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Get us on our app, the 620 CKRM app, wherever you're listening 
However you're listening, we do appreciate it. We know you have choices and you're choosing us more and more each day. We're seeing that and we're happy about it. Tell all your friends. Uh, I'm Michael Ball along with my buddy Blaine Weiland from the Sports Department subbing in for Sean Kleisinger who's watching Premier League soccer over there in England. Are you a soccer guy? No. You're not. No. <laughs> I have no desire either. But he was pumped, and I'm happy for him. He's snapping some pictures from the street, the mean streets of London, England. Good for him. Good kid. Yeah. You know, I am getting a little bit more interested in soccer, especially with Canada getting, you know, better yeah. in the international yeah. ranks a little bit. But, uh, you know, but yeah, I'm get, I'm happy for Zinger for his trip right now. I was never into, like, I wasn't really into baseball. Like, I'm into baseball early, like this time, because the weather's generally mm-hmm. crappy here. So it gets you in the spring mode, right? Kind of like watching the Masters and those yeah. golf tournaments. And then I am, about the end of May, I stopped. Because CFL season starts, and then I start up in the fall because it means something. And when my team's good, which doesn't happen a lot, but they have been the last little bit, so I'm kind of into baseball. I'm wondering if that will be the case maybe a little more for soccer when the World Cup's played here as part of the, you know, the North America's hosting Mm -hmm. the World Cup, so to speak. I just can't get into it. People say, you got to watch it live. I'll tell you what, man, I... I've been to a live baseball game. Now, granted, my first live baseball game, and the only one I've been to, was the Miami Marlins and the Arizona Diamondbacks <laughs> right before the pandemic in 2019. Yep. There was... I started down the third baseline, like, high up. And I, my girlfriend and I moved to the first base side, lower bowl by the end. I think the 50-50, honestly, was $585 American, which is, what, 14000 Canadian? But do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there, So that's not a true indication. But I, nah, I'd, I'd rather watch baseball on TV, to be quite honest with you, because I could change the channel or I could or I could go, you know, come and go, that type of thing. Yeah, you know, I, I do think baseball is better enjoyed live, but I do get the idea of, you know, the comfort of your home and switch. Have you watched it a bunch of different... Like, Zinger travels a bunch of different places. Have you gone to some places to watch? I've gone to Toronto, Seattle, and the old Metrodome. Ooh, okay. And I'm going to Toronto this weekend, actually. Are you? Yeah. I haven't told you yet. I'm going to the Blue Jays game Friday and Saturday. Against two? They're playing Seattle. See, and here's the one I was going to go to. I was honestly going to go do this. I I still might, because I don't think... I don't know. So the Padres, they're coming to Toronto in July, can't go. And they're in... Minnesota on the 9th and the 10th of May and I'm thinking of driving down picking up my son and going to a Padres game at Target Field mm-hmm. right before Ryder training camp yeah. starts but I don't know if I can afford it I, I, don't I like to go to Target Field That's I like to go to that one hard to believe that stadium's been open like 10 years already yeah, the Metrodome's been long gone. Those old gr- garbage bag walls. Hey, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wasn't it? I didn't dream this. You told me your brother was just at Petco Park. Yeah, last week. What uh, with the Braves? Yeah, they were. Uh, they my brother and my nephew. He took my nephew to uh, three games. He took him to two Padre games and an Angel game. And didn't he meet uh, AJ Minter? He got the for meet, the for the Braves. Yeah, he got to meet him, signed a baseball. My nephew got a picture with him. My brother and nephew are diehard Yankee fans, but I think uh, A.J. Minter is a new favorite in the household. But I will tell you what, that th- those are two nice stadiums. I drove past the Angel Stadium when we were in California with the sports mm-hmm. cage trip, but I want to go to Petco Park. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of baseball,
all, buddy. I've been looking at the standings. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm a baseball expert because I am not. But I will tell you, man, looking at the standings right now, that we expected the Braves to be at the top and the Mets. They've had a bit of injury problems. Nobody, and I mean nobody, expected the Pirates to be 16-7 and and atop the NL Central. Yeah, I bet you people probably thought they wouldn't go well into May before they win their 16th game. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. So, and, and the Cardinals are nine and fourteen. That's a role reversal. Now it's only April, right? So I'm mm-hmm. not going to get too excited or not. Diamondbacks are thirteen and eleven. Who thought they'd be at the top of the NL West? The Padres and the Dodgers. Uh, Dodgers are twelve and eleven, and the Padres are twelve and twelve. And then, did you? Now that we shouldn't be shocked by this. Because they always find a way to be good, even though they don't spend any money. But the Tampa Rays are 20-3. and Like, when you start that well, you're building up some pretty early season equity. Like, the Jays have been playing great baseball, and they're third, not behind the Yankees, behind the Rays and the Orioles. Yeah, I mean, the Jays took two out of three from both the Yankees and the Rays, and they're still only in third spot. Their their division is loaded right now. They're the only division with every team at least 500 or better with the Red Sox and last, but they're at an even 12-12 and record right now. It's really stacked in the AL East early on. Yeah, certainly is. Now, at the end of the day, did you have a World Series? I know you're a big baseball guy. Did you have a World Series kind of like you? I know you like the Jays, but did you have the Jays in the World Series? I had the Padres and Jays in the World Series. Legitimately. This year? Legitimately. I picked that way back in March. Uh, you know, I, I, when I make these picks, it's like, yeah, I got to pick the Jays because, you know, when they're in it and they got a contendership. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I, I would say that. So I'm who would they play? Uh, who would I would have thought at the beginning of the year? I probably would have picked. You know, I probably would have went with the Pirates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pittsburgh Pirates and Baltimore Orioles in the World Series. Yeah, the gold revisionist history. Yeah. Oh, honestly, I probably would have went with Atlanta. You know. Yeah, they got a good team. They Atlanta, do have a good team. They have the, a good team. The, out west, there's a lot of good teams with the Padres and the Dodgers. The Dodgers, you know, they seem to always find. I think away. the Padres at the end of the day, when they figure out their hitting, they're going to be they're going to be great. I think Soto and Machado are having a tough time with that pitch clock because mm-hmm. those guys, you know, yeah. you're getting a routine and stuff like that. Tatis hit a home run in his second game back. That's going to help them out. Like, I think they've got too many good weapons not to be in the mix somewhere along the line. Yeah. I, you know, you know, Padres, they got, Blue Jays, that, that, that seemed like a logical pick, though. That's going to be an interesting July matchup. So who do they got this weekend, the Jays, that you're going to watch? Seattle. Teoscar, Teoscar Hernandez returns to Toronto on Friday night. That's an awesome one. Yeah. Actually, we should try to get... We got Ben Wagner on tomorrow. We have him on each Wednesday here in the Sports Cage around the horn. But we should uh, try to get uh, Rick Riz again. He's the voice of the Seattle Mariners. He's been a friend of the show. We should get him on. Because I believe Friday night's pitching matchup is Alec Manoa against Luis Castillo, if I'm not mistaken. Manoa had a good game the last time yeah. out, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. yeah. And, and and rightfully so, because he was going against the guy who always trash talks. Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. Yeah. And they won that one 3-2. And they won 5-1 against the Yankees. And Vladdy, Vladdy <laughs> talk about trash talking homers again in New York. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, Actually, I love my two favorite teams are based on like you picked the Jays because they're Canada's team, right? Oh, yeah. When I was yeah, and I mean, I was during the heyday of the, the Blue Jays. I don't know. So and, 80, why, 90 and why did you like the Calgary Flames? Lanny McDonald. Okay, so McDonald. I picked I picked the Oilers. Obviously, I was nine. And 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 how old were you? About nine, ten, eleven? No, I was younger than that. I was yeah. like a I was five when I started liking. Okay, so so okay, so generally they say 
psych- psychologically, you pick, you like the music or or certain cars or whatever, you know, and sports teams generally between nine and 11, nine and 12. That's where you kind of develop okay. your love. So I love the Oilers, 81. It was that best of three when one versus 16, two versus 15, which we talked about, and the young upstart Oilers. I picked the Padres. I remember watching the 84 playoff run, and then they went to the World Series and lost to the Tigers, who started very hot, Kurt Gibson and those guys, Alan Trammell. So I I love Tony Gwynn, and I love those ugly jerseys, (laughs) which they're getting back now. And uh, so that's why I like the Padres. And uh, yeah, so, and I love in the American League. I mean, I like, I'm not a, I don't care if the Jays win or lose, but I don't hate them. It's the Mm -hmm. one Toronto team I don't, and the Argos, I want to see do well till they play us. But I always loved the Mariners because of Ken Griffey Jr. What oh, a great yeah. player. And I was so happy that Ken and Tony Gwynn never got busted for steroids or yeah. anything stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. You I, know, I always loved that. Ken Griffey Jr., I, I mean, he was the guy. I always always wear my hat backwards. And he was the guy that I think popularized the uh, wearing your hat backwards. I, re- yeah. I, I remember him just in those home run contests that he always hit the dingers off of. He had the sweetest swing. Which, by the way, you're approaching 40 years old, and I want to commend you, Blaine Wylan, because I do wear a hat backwards when I'm in the yard, and it's the only reason I do it is because it looks like I'm always checking a crop when I put a hat on. I went to buy one the other day in North Dakota. I'm like, I'm going to wear it like this. No, I look like a North Dakota farmer. No, I'm not. But after 35 years of age... 30, 35, you should never wear your hat backwards because you're not a teenager anymore <laughs> unless you're on your own property. Anyway, yeah, that's how I feel. I don't wear mine backwards too no, often you don't, anymore. No, you don't. No, you don't. You, that's what I mean. You wear... Yeah. What hat do you got on today? Uh, today's a Harrisburg Senators uh, hat. Uh, it's their Spanish edition hat to one of the minor league baseball teams. Hats so where do, how many hats you got? Oh, God, in total? I don't even know. I so just, where do you find like the Harrisburg team like that minor league baseball like they i'm so interested in minor league baseball and one like john ryan's team so like a, there's a couple of teams portland, like, portland Pirates. pickles or yeah, yeah. portland pickles the lake county captains yeah you know, teams like that and the locals and, and the merchandise and it's quite the marketing that they got for minor league baseball my son's roommate who's a grad assistant at the football at the university coach he loves Girls college softball. His favorite team is the Oklahoma State Cowboys. He's got memorabilia and everything. I couldn't believe it. Wow. I couldn't believe it. That is a that is unbelievable. Anyway, when we come back, we're gonna hear from Nelson Lacombo. Yeah, Nelson Lacombo joins us next on the sports cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you by Saskatchewan Lottery's main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Our text line's powered by the Capital Auto Group. They're taking over the city in terms of the automotive industry. Uh, 936-6262, the number to text and... Western Pizza Hotline is where all our guests come to you. We'll get to the Western Pizza Hotline in a second. We'll update Major League Baseball for a second. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates. We were talking about them. They're, it's in Pittsburgh. And it's 2-1 right now for the Dodgers in the bottom of the second. Bottom of the fourth, it's Colorado 
leading Cleveland, the Guardians, four to nothing. And uh, that's uh, Boston leads Baltimore, bottom of the second in Baltimore at Camden Yards, three nothing. Bottom of the second, Houston and Tampa are scoreless in Tampa. They've been on a roll at home. Texas leads Cincinnati. Another early season surprise at Texas Rangers, leading Cincinnati one nothing in the top of the third inning. Uh, Jays are just getting underway. NHL playoffs just getting underway. It's Carolina and the Islanders still to come. It's going to be the Wild and Stars. Kings and Oilers, the third game of the night. All right, training camp not that far away. In fact, the Rough Riders, we knew uh, last week, uh, last Friday, when uh, the president and CEO was on, he told us they're going back to Saskatoon again, which we knew. Uh, May 10th to 12th, rookie camp. Main camp opens May 14th. Green and white day, the game State of the Nation address, and everything going down May the 20th autograph session. This guy will be a part of it. He is Nelson Lacombo, and he joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. How you doing, Nelson? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Balzi. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, it's nice to hear your voice, too. How's the off-season gone for you, training and everything like that? It's been great. It's been good. Um, yeah, it's been nice being back out here with the family and uh, with some friends. And, you know, I got a good... Uh, training training going on. I'm ready for next year and ready to come back to Saskatoon for training camp. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. You've been working out with your brother or who you been working out with? I've been doing uh, our, our strength and conditioning coordinator, Quinn Spencer, sends us a bunch of really good uh, training. Um, uh-huh. And I'm, I also have a trainer out here that I work with. Um, so I got a little bit of both things going on. And a couple, couple times I'll be with my brother just training. Awesome. Well, you had that a terrible start to your career, the Achilles. That's back 100. Like, that's no issues there? Yeah, no. I, I feel a lot better going into this year than last year because last year was all just rehab and focusing on the Achilles. It's, it's, it's about as, as good as it was before. Yeah, so talk to me about that. It's not just the physical stuff, Nelson. It's probably a lot of mental stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a lot of mental... Um, kind of hurdles that you got to get past, especially during that time when you're not playing and watching your team play. Um, there's a lot that that goes through your head, and um, you know, I, I was I was lucky enough to to have people around my corner to help me help me out throughout that, and even um, even the guys that tore their Achilles alongside <laughs> with me, Larry Dean, a couple of other players were just you know it was nice being out there and, and doing rehab and kind of going through the same thing that they're going through and you know I'm, I'm glad I was able to make a recovery and, and I'm glad I'm still playing right now you've always been a pleasant guy to talk to but you don't sound as nervous when you do interviews now so that's that's a sign of maturity <laughs> that's that's a sign of a mature yeah. maturing athlete too how much is Larry Dean yeah. how much did Larry Dean help you he's a quiet assassin uh but um you know he's a guy that uh, what an inspiration yeah Larry he is he is a great leader he um really knows how to command a, a group of guys together. And, you know, um, it's, it was a pleasure uh, going through that with him and, you know, even still being uh, on the same team as him. He, he's definitely a guy that you try to emulate and, you know, you watch uh, as you go through these things. And even when you're playing, too, you try to soak up as much as you can 
uh, from a veteran guy like that. It's interesting. Uh, he's, he's been great. It's interesting, Nelson Lacombo, that you'd use the word pleasure when rehabbing from a from an Achilles injury, which could end some careers. Uh, you know, maybe yeah. more so back in the day would end careers with modern medicine and surgery. It, it, it's not that way. Uh, what did you learn about yourself through that whole process? I learned um, a lot more men- mentally tough than than I thought. Um, you know, oftentimes with that injury, you can. You can lose a lot of confidence, which, you know, did happen, but you, you gain that back after you recover. And then every day as you get better, you, you realize how much more you can do um, and how much more you've, you've gained back from, from that. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of bad things from that experience and, you know, a lot of a lot of learning from that experience as well. Mm-hmm. Nelson Lacombo joining us here uh now a veteran defensive back with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Not veteran in terms of lots of times played, but you're going into more years yeah. of service here now. Um, so, uh, it's an interesting backfield back there now. A couple of changes back yeah. there. No Mike uh, No Mike Edom. Just a comment about Mike, I guess, Edom, Edom, whatever he wants to call himself that day. Just a comment on Mike Edom, because he was a, a, a good veteran presence back there. Yeah, he, he was definitely a great leader, too. Um He's a funny guy. He, he's great to be around, and uh, I'm glad I was able to, to be on the same team as him. He also played with my brother, too, so I knew a little bit about him um, getting ready to play for the Riders. So yeah, it was definitely nice to be part of that same backfield as him and, and kind of see how how his experience uh, you know helped me out. In, in terms of my learning. So as uh, as Coach Dickinson or Jason Shivers, the D coordinator, or Jeremy told you where you factor in in terms of uh, the secondary this year, is it at the corner, halfback, safety? Yeah, I, I think coming into camp, um, you know, I, I think I think there'll be a little more emphasis at, as a safety, but mm-hmm. I think with my skill set, I can play anywhere. So I, I, I don't really, um, I can't really tell you exactly where I'll be playing, but I think with my ability, I can play anywhere on the on the defensive back back end. What what about the safety spot might appeal to you? Uh, yeah, a little more freedom to to be out there and and command the the defense and you know put guys in place and and you know I I like blitzing too, so there's mm-hmm. that as well getting sacks and mm-hmm. um you know just being being back there would be nice. What'd you learn playing? Going from U Sports and being like the defensive player of the year and having an outstanding uh, university career with the Huskies to to finally getting in CFL action. What did you learn? The speed of the game, the the study aspect of the game. Just to fill me in, Nelson, from your perspective. Yeah, definitely the the speed is is a lot faster and, and the physicality is also faster. So, um, but I also learned that you know I I could actually play with, with a bunch of these guys too. So it wasn't it wasn't just uh, a complete, um, you know, shell shock of, you know, um, events. But it was it was good to to get my feet wet, sort of speak. Uh, my first year actually being out there on the field, coming off that that injury. Uh, but I'm I'm glad that I was able to play last year and. I look forward to next year. And I'm, I'm sure you're excited to go back to Saskatoon, your old stomping grounds for training camp. Hey, what do you like about that? It's it, it's like going home. Yeah, it's always great to be out in Saskatoon and, and see a bunch of the old faces. Uh, and, and even being at the dorms, too. Uh, it's definitely brings back a lot of memories. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, uh, lastly, Nelson, then I'll let you go, and I appreciate it. We'll be talking all season long, and I'm looking forward to a, a more mature Nelson Lacombo. I'm loving it. Hey, um, you have any goals for your – like, what are your goals personally? Some people say, I just want to win championships. We all want to do that. I get that. Even the play-by-play guy wants to see the team win. But you got to have little goals to get to the big goal. What – what are maybe give me a couple of your goals this year? Yeah, I, um, well, for one, the Great Cup. I know you say that's cliche, yep. but that's that's the big goal. That's, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what you know. That's what everybody strives for in this in this league. So, the Great Cup is definitely what I want, and I know a lot of people on our team want. I've been working hard this offseason to, to get stronger and faster. So, um, definitely the Great Cup. Uh, yeah, I, I got a couple goals that you know I, I try to um, I try to keep to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's just reminders and in, in my phone and and all that. Like, do you? Do, that, that's, is, a that's a good point. That's a good. That's a good point. Okay, you don't want to reveal them, but do you have? Do you write stuff down for yourself? Like I know my son has sticky sticky notes on the wall, little sayings to himself. So when he gets up in the morning, he sees, okay, that's my why. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Like little little catchphrases and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something I've definitely been doing since since I was in high school. Really, uh, every year I always try to reach those goals, even though some of them might be a little a little um, out of reach. I always try to shoot high. So, well, that's absolutely. I, I always have those expectations. Nelson Lacombo, all-star safety, leads the league in interceptions. I've set your goals for you. Now go out and achieve them, Nelson. Okay. All right. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, man. Can't wait to see you in training camp in a couple of weeks. It's coming fast. We'll talk to you then. Okay. All right. See you later, Ballsy. Awesome. Nelson Lacombo, Rough Riders. Safety, it looks like. Going into training camp. Jaden Dalkey will be in the mix. No Mike Edom this year. When we come back, we'll talk to a former Grey Cup champ and Vanier Cup champ. That'd be Eddie Steele. He joins us next on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the uh, Sports Cage. Just trying to get a hold of Eddie Steele, who obviously was a Canadian draft pick with a draft around the corner. We do want to remind you that we do have the CFL draft on the radio. We we did it a bit last year, just kind of impromptu. We thought we'd try it. We did two rounds. We're going to follow the thing from the start to the end with some experts like Glenn Suter, who's going to join us after 5.30 for his regular Tuesday hit. Also, we'll be joined by uh, John Hodge from 3 Down Nation. Don Hewitt, the professor, will be in studio. Sean Kleisinger and my buddy, uh, Blaine Wyland will be, who's here right now with me, subbing in for Sean. He'll be uh, handling it from the digital side as we are your voice of Saskatchewan Rough Riders football and the voice of CFL football. Um, let's take a look at uh, this story. Uh, TSN um, distributed a broadcast schedule back in January indicating the four preseason CFL games would be televised this year. New schedule was released featuring only two games today. So the two games that will still be televised both fall on Fridays. One between Montreal and Ottawa May 26th. The other between our Rough Riders and the Blue Bombers June 2nd. Now, for us here on the radio, we're happy about this. The BC-Saskatchewan game was axed from the broadcast schedule on May 27th. We'll have that on the radio, though, so you can uh, check it out there if you don't go to the game in the Argos-Hamilton game at Tim Hortons Field. TSN televised four preseason games per year just prior to COVID-19 and did so again in 2022. Of course, no preseason games in 2022. 21 and 
There were uh, no games, obviously, in 2020 because of the uh, pandemic. We do need, and the canceled season, we do need to have some uh, competition over there at the the sports network in terms of uh, broadcasting CFL games, the old CFL on CBC and CTV. Like, honestly... I'll just be straight up honest. The CF, the CBC is useless. It's useless except for Hockey Night in Canada. And they did a good job getting on board at the end of the Vanier Cup. Okay? Yep. They did streaming, and they got on board with the Vanier Cup for the national broadcast. So kudos to them. It was great to hear Mark Lee again, okay? Mm-hmm. But honestly, my taxpayers' money, your taxpayers' money, her taxpayers' money is going to this network. We should be covering Canadian. There should be a game of the week on the CBC for U Sports football. There should be a game of the week. And don't tell me the cost. I'm paying for it. Number one. Number two, they should get back involved with the CFL on CBC. I love back in the day. Now, I don't know when they stopped, if you'd remember, but it was CBC and CTV. CBC did the first half, or CTV did the first half, and CBC did the second half of the Grey Cup. I don't recall CTV ever. I do remember CBC quite well doing C, uh, CFL football. I, I, what, about 20 years now they've been off? Uh, 2007 was their last was game. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's TSN, right. Because, yeah. TSN took over 2008. Of course, because it's the Grey Cup. Grey Cup, that's yeah, right. That and was so, the final game. Yeah. And so, yeah, I... Like... Scott Oak, I watched Scott Oak do the 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 hockey broadcast, and I'm like Scott Oak, uh, he does such a great job ringside. I miss that guy, so I missed him on the CFL on CBC with his cheesy orange blazer, and then the then the baby blue blazer <laughs> after that. I'm a royal blue. I'm a. I'd love to see somebody else get on board or get some sort of streaming thing going. Uh, where we can, uh, you know, have the games. There's got to be some sort of competition. This is ridiculous yeah, already. No, I agree with a thousand percent that uh, competition is needed just to drive interest. And, you know, especially, you know, we were talking about the, the commissioner last year, we were talking about getting more uh, content yeah. in terms of now we're taking away content. Yeah. It seems like everywhere we go, whether it's the combine, there was yeah. no footage. Yeah. Now there's less exhibition games. So. Kind of, it's kind of ridiculous, actually. I think it, that's that's just a generic one. Uh, that might be Jim. Just bring him up. That could be Jim. I think that's Jim uh, who wanted to call in. I told him to call in after Eddie Steele, but we can't get a hold of Eddie. Is this Jim? Yeah. Go ahead, Jim. You wanted to talk about. First of all, I want to get your thoughts on this. TSN axing two preseason games from the broadcast schedule. For me, it's great because if you want, if you're not going to that May 27th game, the Ryder game here, you'll have to listen on 620 CKRM with uh, to me. And well, Luke's. yeah, but you know the problem is the CFL. I think kind of we're hog tied, and so it, it's kind of. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say this, but I will. It's kind of like when you're in a divorce and they say, here's the deal. You want to get out of it now? Here's what you're going to pay. Yeah, but this is what, this is what I don't understand. Yeah, I get that. I know that. And I'm not totally cutting TSN down because they gave us a big TV contract to keep the biggest one ever, to keep the league afloat. But at the same time, you spent all that money. Why wouldn't you broadcast as many games? Why would you cut from four to two? Like Blaine said, why wouldn't you have CFL Combine coverage? Why wouldn't you have oh, yeah. a, have no, a draft mean, all that's uh, trumped that's up? That's on the league. I mean, no draft coverage. No, the Combine is really disappointing. Yeah, it is, it is for sure. Hey, we were talking, we were talking baseball, and you wanted to call yeah. in about that, so go ahead. 
Okay, anyway, uh, my grandson, or my son and I used to go on uh, baseball trips every year from the time he was 12 to 20. So we did uh, a lot of parks. We've had it, but we did about 22 parks all together, all down the West Coast. And we used to do the Minneapolis, Kansas City, St. Louis, and then we do uh, Minneapolis, Chicago, Milwaukee. Uh, but the best one, I had to tell you this story because I'm sitting one day and it's like 90 above <laughs> in St. Louis. And they're playing the Padres. Yeah. And we're high up in the stands and uh, we go to move down like you do in baseball parks. And this usher says, I'm sorry, sir, you can't move down. And uh, the guy sitting across from me says, Tell me you'll buy him a beer. He'll let you move down. So I said, can we get you a beer? Well, yeah. He says, so he let us move down. And they were playing the Padres, and uh, St. Louis just walked them. And he says, uh, as we're leaving, he says, well, let me tell you, sir, you'll witness history today. And I said, what? He says, you'll never, ever see Tony Gwynn go zero for four. And he was right. <laughs> oh yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy you were there because that didn't that did not happen. I I forget no. his strike. I forget his career strikeout totals, but it was ridiculous. Like the guy never struck out. It, well, I mean, uh, you know, he just uh, he hit a couple real line drives, but they were at people. And then he had a kind of a questionable call a call out on strikes. Cause my my son, although he was a Yankee fan like me, but he was a Tony Gwynn fan. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he kind of hit one real deep, but in the deepest part. Of the so he made contact yeah. three of the four times, but he never got a hit. Joey got, Joey he was like, he was leading that year. He was leading the National League in hitting. Here's the difference between present and past. In the month of June, I think last year, Joey Gallo struck out 32 times. Tony Gwynn struck out 434 times in 9,288 at-bats. That's roughly one strikeout every 21.4 at-bats. The guy was unbelievable. I love them. That's why I'm a Padres fan. We're against the clock, Jim. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Coming back on the other side, Glenn Suter and press coverage in a sports ticker. This is the sports cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. Patch Ad is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Simply Spike Lemonade is new to the CBH with four bold, full-flavored, fizzy choices to enjoy. It's the place to go check out NHL playoff hockey like last night were a couple of former Regina Pats, Sean. It was Jordan Eberle scoring in overtime, set up by another Regina area kid, Jaden Schwartz, as the Seattle Kraken beat the Colorado Avalanche 3-2 to even that series at two apiece. And Everly once again goes down in a hockey record book as it's the first ever home playoff win for the Seattle Kraken, and it's in overtime. How about Chandler Stevenson? He's been thriving with the Vegas Golden Knights since being traded from Washington. Two more points last night as the Golden Knights won back-to-back games in the middle of that whiteout in Winnipeg, beating the banged-up Jets 4-2. to They're now up three games to one in the series. 
And this has been Pat Chat. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Press coverage brought to you by our friends at Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. We've talked a lot about it, and uh, we'll mention it here to start our portion of the broadcast here, Glenn. Uh, Your old school, SFU, it's Pledge Day today. Yeah, Pledge Day. So so basically, it's it's not uh, Donation Day. It's, it's to pledge that you will donate in the future, provided we win and uh, we reinstate the football program. Um, that's, that's the goal, and we just want to show that the financial backing is there well, as well. You, you know that Amar Doman has pledged to match um, the number of pledges, so if we get to 1,000, he will match with $500,000 worth of investment into SFU football. So, you know, I, I think, Michael, it's, a, it's an important discussion to sort of back away from the details of it and look at it in the big picture. We have 28 schools in our country that play football, including SFU. And I will be up in Saskatoon at the beginning of May with the Dogs Breakfast. I know you have worked at the U of R's uh, big banquet that they have, their fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's. I just want to thank the fans that that really, uh, you know, support those events because when you support those events, you are ensuring that the opportunities for Canadian athletes and Canadian students, young students, are are they're able to, you know, continue on their journey. And I, you know, I I don't I know I don't have to remind uh, families that have had kids go through school, but. You know, there's a lot of families that and kids that wouldn't be able to get a post-secondary education unless they had sports and a scholarship through sports to pay for universities. Universities aren't cheap, as you know, and, um, you know, these these athletes get a chance to get a great education, become leaders in their communities through athletics at their university, not to mention how it brings the entire university population together. So it's, it's really a fight for maintaining the, the chance for young men and women to pursue their goals in life through sports in university and athletic scholarships, and it's super important. You're talking to a parent who's got two going through school right now, one an athlete, one just a regular student with scholarships uh, academically, and you're absolutely right. And I could speak to it further because in America, it's a different world. It's a different world. It doesn't mean our athletes are any less, but it's just a different world money-wise. They don't, they don't think twice about spending on sports. It's sports first, and then it's academics in a mm-hmm. lot of cases, where it's the other way around here. So in order to give, and we're speaking of football here, in order to give our men and women, because there's the women in, in, in football too, but I'm talking in order to give our men a chance to go to university and then play in the CFL, uh, you know, that's an avenue to go to. We have to, uh, we have to uh, do, uh, support these things. Yeah, it's a great point. They, excuse me, that you make about the the U.S. being so different. I mean, at Washington State University or where your son's playing, you know, there'll be, uh, well, probably thirty to a hundred thousand fans for for games that they play at home. So, you know, you're looking at 
you know, millions and millions in revenues just from, from, from the fan base alone and ticket sales. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a completely different beast. We, we have to, you know, and I think it, it goes even beyond sports, Michael. I really do. I, I think this goes to live music and entertainment. I mean, if, if we want to keep that, if we want to keep the things that we love, athletics, sports, uh, you know, the NHL playoffs are going on right now. There's college hockey teams there. You know, we if we want to keep these entertainment entities, whether it's live music, sports, live theater, then, you know, in our country, we're going to have to, you know, buy tickets and support them and go to the games and make them ours and lean into it. That's that's going to have to happen or else there will be people that misread um, the fact that there's not enough tickets sold, for instance, at a football game or at at a, a junior hockey league game, there's not enough tickets sold. So maybe we should let this, the junior hockey team fold. Maybe we should not be, you know, making the investment in this because there's not enough fans. Maybe people don't care. This is what happens when you devalue the 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 importance of sports and the importance of the. Uh, athletic journey and and student journey for these kids. When you devalue that, even if it's in small ways, somewhere down the road there'll be somebody who says, "You know what? Nobody cares, so let's just cancel the program, or let's just cancel the team, or let's not have live music at our bar anymore because nobody cares about it." Well, there's thousands and thousands that care about it. We just have to speak up, and now's the time. 100%. You know, Jim Mullen and I were talking about this. I posed this question to him. I'll pose this to you as an alumni. Uh, as a parent, uh, I, I, no disrespect, I don't care what you do. Like, I hope you guys save that program and everything like that. But I'd have to think twice if I had a son or daughter coming up uh, playing a various sport, uh, whether I'd send him to SFU after this debacle. Like, you couldn't get a worse PR move than what's going on there. Well, Michael, I'll, I'll tell you flat out. Uh, I, I have, you know, I have never been embarrassed for the university. I, I have always taken great pride in being a former, uh, well, being an alum of the of the Simon Fraser football program, and to have spent my four years of college at Simon Fraser University. I've always taken great pride in that. Anyone who has ever asked me, uh, I've always, you know, proudly where I played my college football and that change has changed over the next week. Now they can, they can change their mind and do the right thing. And uh, it will, it will come back slowly, but the hit has happened already. And, and right now, if, if this program is not reinstated and they don't reverse their course, I will publicly recommend that people don't, and this is not a threat. This is just how I feel. I will publicly recommend that people do not go to Simon Fraser University. I will. And and that that hurts me to say. But I I I will not endorse a university that does things the way they've done it for no apparent reason, arbitrary decisions to cancel programs for who knows why. And you know, this is this is something that I take very seriously because I don't want to ever disparage somebody or some university or some company unless I, there's a real good reason for it. Yeah. But unless they they reverse their course here, 
I will have I, I can't look a kid or a parent in the eye and say, yeah, I think it's a good idea to go to that university. I will never be able to do that again. Couldn't put it any better myself. Hey, there are a couple of good things that have come out of this, and, and I haven't really, uh, you know, we've touched on it a bit. Uh, it's it's so great to know we have a locked-in owner in BC and Amar Doman. It, that is so good. Absolutely. I mean, and I've had a chance to now in the offseason, you know, just um, – sit with with Mr. Doman and have great conversations. He is 100% invested. I I honestly and I guess I'll have to hand in my man card here because I I in the middle of a conversation with Amar I he he was so invested in talking about his big picture plan and and how he's going to support amateur football in our province and and beyond in the entire country. I I got a little emotional. Um, you know, when you're when you're in the fight, as long as we've been in the fight, and you you know you put your heart and soul into it, when you when you have a, a person in position of leadership like that, that is so committed and understands the messaging and the grassroots importance, I, I just I got a little emotional and I said to Amar, hey, I'm sorry, man, but uh, I just I am inspired by everything you're saying here. And I am all in to help you in any way I can. So, yeah, we it, the the ownership in BC is fantastic right now. Yeah, Glenn Suter joining us here. One more question before the break. The other thing I wanted to touch on. Hey, I've been uh, I'll be the first guy to say I've been critical of Randy Ambrosi, and I have been, and I think in in a lot of cases rightfully so. But you got to call it like you see it. And I will say this, and I just send him a text actually while we're in the middle of this conversation because it popped into my head. You know what? Kudos to Randy Ambrosi for stepping up in this SFU thing. Like he, he, uh, he stepped up and put his voice towards this too, which I think was encouraging to me because Randy Ambrosi with the owners, their first thing was to say 10 years, no Canadians. And you mentioned it yesterday with the bargaining uh, agreement last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were the first guy to say yesterday, Hey, I like the messaging coming out of the CFL office. So a tip of the cap to Randy Ambrosi for being a leading voice in this too. Yeah, I, I've really noticed a, a complete shift, and, and I, it's a good one. It's a, it's a shift in the right direction. And when you take a look at two years ago when we were you know, trying to, in, in fairness, we were trying to, as a league, manage the pandemic and the cancellation of a season and a, and a shortened season with no training camps and, and all of those challenges that everybody had in all walks of life. But, um, you know, in, in that, around that time, there was all kinds of discussions on the XFL and discussions on, um, you know, just, just sort of less Canadian content discussions on the XFL and what should happen there. And it just felt like there was this, massive shift away from talking about and leaning into our what makes our game great which is the canadiana aspect of it in so many ways and i've seen that complete shift over the last well year and a half now but certainly this off season where the league office is really hard and leaning into expansion into the maritimes and maybe beyond maybe quebec city as well great ownership in Vancouver and with the Montreal Alouettes. And then you start to talk about 3.5 million for amateur football from CFL teams and the announcement of that. You, you, you look at the promotion of the Canadians and the Canadian talent, the inclusion initiatives, 
the officiating initiatives. I just read in Twitter, so it might not be real, especially now in Twitter, but I just read that there was $35 billion uh, wagered in Ontario throughout the year uh, since since gambling has become um, legal. And, and I bring that up only be in relation to this discussion, only because if you are generating revenues from that as a league, you can do a lot of good things with that increased revenue. And I, I think the league office is doing that right now. Glenn Suter, press coverage. We'll be back with a second part in a moment here on 620 CKRN. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. It's brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline and Glenn Suter's segment press coverage sponsored by our good friends Randy Johansson and Quality Tire. Nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. QualityTire.ca. Suits, you're mentioning gambling. And like anything, uh, things can turn a little uh, goofy too. In the NFL, we're seeing a little bit of uh, the uh, betting scandals going on now, which... um. <sighs> It's a slippery slope because when you when you promote it, when you talk about it, when you hold hands with the gambling sites to raise money and necessary income, you also can't be overly shocked that a player or two might have a misstep. Now, uh, so far, fortunately, hasn't been anything overly terrible, uh, and and they've caught it apparently. Although I'm sure there's a lot more going on than we're aware of. How concerned are you at the CFL level about that? Um, uh, you know, it's, it's always something that you have to monitor and you have to have a policy in place that makes it, it's, it's so, um, punitive if you, if you make major mistakes in that regard. So to, to make sure that every player, coach, every organization understands the rules and the policies, make sure that it is very punitive and, and really hurts in the, in the area of fines and suspensions and maybe lifetime bans if it gets to that, uh, so that you, you make sure you d- deter any type of thought to, you know, start to get involved or throw games or anything like that. You know, I, I think we have to be, uh, we, we keep in society, and this is, this is just observation, I'm not an expert in this area, but it feels like in society we're we're taking away accountability. We're 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 asking for people to be less and less accountable for their actions. And I, I think we've got to move back in that direction to where, you know, if if you make mistakes like everybody does, there's there's a you're going to have to pay for those mistakes. There's uh, you know repercussions from those mistakes. So yeah, I think I think you put in strong policy. You you make sure that the the penalties are so severe, and and happen quickly enough. So in other words, it's if it's strike two, it might be a lifetime ban even. Then you know you will you will either you'll do one of two things, you'll stop the behavior, and if you don't stop the behavior, you'll get rid of a player that you didn't want anyway. In your league. Hey, speaking of gambling, I want to get your opinion on this. With everything going on now, don't you think uh, Charlie Hustle, Pete Rose should be back, uh, should be allowed to go into the Baseball Hall of Fame? I mean, with everything going on now. I, I thought he should have anyway, to be honest. Me too. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought he should have back in the days when it, it wasn't legal. 
I just, again, you know, I know people that probably starts a massive debate. And people always say, uh, you know, it's a bad example for kids. Think about the steroid discussion and, and the, you know, guys that have home run records that, you know, maybe didn't do them completely healthy. <laughs> you know, let's put it that way. Uh, allegedly, um, but, you know, like if, if you're worried about your kids, then you be the mentor to your kids and not rely on somebody that is playing baseball to be the mentor of well, your kids. You know what, Glenn, I'm, I'm actually not opposed to the players who hit home runs with steroids getting into the baseball hall of fame, maybe with an asterisk by Neither their name, am I. by their name, because guess what? Baseball didn't care. And for a large part of that time, they didn't really test. So I'm not, I'm not opposed to Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa getting in. In fact, I think it's hypocritical they don't get in. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I, I think they should, they should be in as well. So I, I thought Pete Rose, you know, again, <laughs> this is probably going to spark a, a huge debate and you're going to finish, you're going to be in your whole show with it. But I, I just believe that you know, at the time he, he played baseball at the highest level, one of the best, best baseball players of all time. Um, the fact that he had a gambling issue at the time, I don't think changes that. So I would have put him in then and I would put, definitely put him in now. You know, it's funny. We talked about the draft yesterday and we'll get into more of this as we get closer to it. By the way, we got our draft special here on May the 2nd. Glenn Suter will be a part of it. It's the, it's the one pro league without being an expert on all pro leagues, but it's the one pro league where the draft is probably the most important. Like, yeah, you'll get your first overall pick in the NHL and things like that, but you're looking for you're looking for your guys in the Canadian Football League draft to have immediate impact, especially in the first two rounds, and it's the one that gets the least publicity. It's hilarious. Yeah, well, it, it does because it's not flashy. And I don't mean uh, that in any with any disrespect towards offensive linemen, but when when offensive linemen are your first few picks, it's not quite as flashy as the number one NHL uh, prospect like Connor Bedard or a, or a quarterback coming out of you know USC or UCLA that is the number one draft pick in the NFL. You know th- those those are flashy picks, and that's why they can have the stardom around it and and do full-length shows around it. But our draft is more important, and yet um, and yet, it's not as flashy because of the guys that are picked first and, um, and in those first couple of rounds because they're, they're core guys. They're, they're heart and soul guys. They're guys that you absolutely need. And we're the only – well, not the only league because soccer does it a little bit too. But we're, we're a league where you, you have to start seven Canadians. So because of that rule, which uh, you and I both agree is crucial to the success of the league, that draft becomes ultra important. And it's not just for, you know, you're, you're right, immediate contribution is super important, especially on teams. But beyond that, you need to have the depth in your own line. You need to have three or four Canadians that you're developing into starters that are waiting for that chance. So that's where the draft comes in. And, and the guys that draft well, and we'll talk about this more come draft day, but the guys who draft well are the guys who are always picking a few old linemen every year. John Huffnagel does it every year. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I want to get into that when we get uh, closer to the time, just on strategies and things like that. Uh, sometimes I think that's... <laughs> 
Sometimes I think that's laziness too at points. It's like, we're going to play three Canadians on the O-line. We are going to, you know what I mean? Like, we're not going to have a Canadian corner. We're not going to have a Canadian boundary slot. We're not going to have a Canadian running back. Although, that's changing a little bit. But very interesting. We have lots to talk about coming up. Thanks for your time, Glenn. I appreciate it. Have yourself a uh, great day. Thank you, Michael. We'll hear from Glenn again on Thursday. Coming up tomorrow on the show, Farhan Lalji, his TSN colleague, will join us from Kansas City. He's there for the NFL draft. We'll go around the horn with Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. Steve Karp, who covers for the Sporting Tribune all things Las Vegas sports. We'll talk nights and the Raiders draft strategy. And we take a walk down memory lane with Chris Bauman, the first overall pick in the 2007 CFL draft from the Hamilton Tiger Cats, a Regina Ram receiver for well, he is uh, from Brandon, Manitoba. We'll talk to him about the pressure that comes with being a first overall selection in the CFL draft. That and much, much more. By the way, before we leave you, we'll tell you Danny Jansen, the catcher, hit a three-run bomb, and the Blue Jays have a 3 nothing lead on the White Sox. And in the NHL, after one period of play, the Islanders trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. Uh, up one nothing on Carolina, down three games to one. Uh, for my buddy Blaine Weil and I'm Michael Ball saying so long, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.